of the Badass Records Podcast. I am your host, Blair Johnson, and I'm here to remind you that you can keep tabs on this thing on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, You can subscribe where you stream audio or on the YouTube or sign up at the website, badassrecordspodcast.com. If you'd like to do an in-person episode with me here in Kansas City, hit me up at badassrecordspodcast at gmail.com. It's badassrecordspodcast at gmail.com. Appreciate you stopping by. Hope you enjoy the show. Um, like I said, all things... Um Considered this should be episode 91 of uh, Badass Records Podcast, hanging out with Will Malthrop. Um, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Um, there's On the other side of your laptop is a Sharpie that is sitting there so that hopefully one of us remembers to ask you to sign the wall. Um, and you'll have the choice of either uh, getting on your belly in an awkward position or starting a new column at the top, which I think given the choice I would go for the latter but i don't know uh, i gotta look at the pennants and see if i should sign next to the chiefs or the royals man right yeah um i'll do something clever for you there you go there you go well um we were trying to recall just a minute ago how it was we connected and somehow via social media alike and a message and something or other and here you are thank you the world wide web that's right i live two miles away from you nice um so let's see here um we have a lot to dive into regarding your story um but before we do that uh you're you're born no you're you're born in new york i was born on the upper west side of new york city Upper west side okay and my mom is a native New Yorker. My dad is a California transplant. He went east. He did. And they met there. Correct. But how? At a dinner party, mutual friends. Oh, I like. <laughs> that sounds cool. Yeah, yeah. So my folks met uh, probably about 1970, 71 in New York City. Okay. I was born on the Upper West Side, uh, 1973, 74. And then 1975, we moved down to Princeton, New Jersey. Okay. Like where the university is, right? We're one town over from where Princeton University is, yeah. Princeton, the university, is not in Princeton, New Jersey? Uh, no, well... I lived one town over. It's oh, easy to gotcha, say gotcha, I lived yeah. in Princeton yeah. rather than yeah. West Windsor Township. Fair enough. Uh, fair it, enough. It, Although that has a snazzy sounding ring to it. Right. Um, but it puts a, a sort of a pin on the map. People have a pretty good understanding sure, and, and sure. knowledge of that. And uh, you're the first you're the first baby in this uh, in this matrimony? No, no, no. There's an older brother oh, older. Uh, who's um, somewhat of a, a, a key holder into my rock and roll okay, cool, experience cool. for sure. Um, one, uh, an advantage of growing up in central New Jersey was, um, exposure to venues and radio stations, New York, New Jersey, Philadelphia. Okay. There's, you know, a lot of big ones right there, I think. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So, um, I could cite, uh, radio station call letters. Okay. Still? W- WMMR, nice. WYSP in Philadelphia. Those were both classic rock. Uh, WPST was out of Trenton, New Jersey. That was more, uh, I guess, modern rock at the time. Uh, K-Rock out of New York City. WPLJ, 
classic rock New York City. Wow. Yeah, we got we got Howard Stern early because we had him okay. on FM radio in that market. Impressive. That, yeah, that Impressive. doesn't speak as much to rock and roll, but well, but just no, it's great that you. I mean, clearly, if those, what was that, seven, eight call letters that if yeah. they stand out still. Yeah. I mean, how old were you when you guys moved away? I was 18. Okay, okay. Is that like you graduated and now you're venturing out? Took my game to the West Coast. (laughs) (laughs) Are mom and dad still there? Um, Dad is in New York City. Mom is in Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, okay. And and The home of rock and roll. There you go. Uh, Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame is there. Older brother is? Older brother runs, he's the production manager of the Hammerstein Ballroom right across the street from Madison Square Garden. Holy smokes. About a 3,000 seat venue. Um, A month ago, he told me that there was a voicemail saying the Stones were interested in doing their rehearsals for Hackney Diamonds there. He has, uh, he's done mixing board stuff. Uh, you name it, he's done it. Wow. Yeah. He's but then w- worked him with Jay Z, Ice Cube. Wow. Um, so him and you, just the two yeah. of you? I have a twin brother. Oh, so there's three boys. Three boys, yeah. A lot of pee on the floor, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> At least early on. Ask my mom about that one. Uh, my twin brother is in Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. Yep. He's uh, happily married with a wife and three kids. Okay. Uh, CEO of a nonprofit, and I already told you my brother's a production manager in the music industry. Right. Nice. Yeah. Um, so uh, what are, I mean, mom and dad are listening to music when you guys are little? or Mom, yes. Dad, no. Okay. Uh, yeah, dad was raised by a single mom, and he found his way into uh, theater and orchestra. Okay. So any influences of Mozart, Beethoven come from him, any exposure into Broadway, and there's been quite a bit of that. Um, I don't particularly love or collect show tunes, um, but I love the theater experience. Okay. Um, mom, Mom's a child of Beatlemania. Every okay. time they show the black and whites on TV, I look and see, could that have been her? Mom was born in 40. The Beatles hit America maybe on the airwaves about 62. Okay. So right. she was really coming into her stride as a young woman, um, and probably like most of America, especially uh, young women in the in New York City, were probably all gaga over the Beatles. For sure, we've all seen the footage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, that was the, that was the onset. My mom was a woman that played uh, music around the house. Okay. Um, so she had her original vinyl, um, full collection of the Beatles, early Rolling Stones. Buddy Holly and the Beach Boys, which if you're going to build a, a foundation, there's probably she had all the yeah. Beatles records on vinyl yeah. back. Still does. Wow. Still okay. has them. Yeah, we're um, we all have them like watermark for not watermark, but like sticky note for when you know. When, this this when, one's mine. <laughs> when she takes the long and winding yeah. road, like we get to we get to pick and choose on that one. Now, were you guys allowed to? put the needle on the record as little uh, as, people as we aged okay but, but probably at a pretty early age um yeah the only thing i think my mom was really missing was chuck berry uh, interesting. I, I didn't get into that until later in life um i am gonna crack that go ahead yeah take your time um so we had that exposure i i think the beatles were the first band that i kind of knew um album songs a side b side um you know my favorites I think if you play the intro to Ticket to Ride, that's probably the bullseye for what the Beatles did for me and how okay. they 
how they grew my appreciation of rock music. Um, I want to say I can't def- I, I couldn't tell you at what age or what album, but my older brother he's five years older. Okay. So maybe by the time he was 10, 11, 12, he was building out his album collection, picking up where mom left off. Like, meaning at some point she kind of just happened to stop buying them and just had what she had? She continued uh, with Billy Joel, Paul Simon, Hall and Oates, the things that middle-aged people were listening to. I mean, to. those should not be left out. Those are fantastic. There's right. some fantastic records in there. Um, maybe some Steely Dan in okay. there. I mean... Yeah, we could we could go on some tangents. Sure. Uh, as far, but then it becomes stuff your parents are listening to versus sitting in your big brother's room flipping right. through albums. Yeah. Um. So big brother introduced me to all the great stuff of the I guess late '60s, early '70s. Okay. The Doors, Jimi Hendrix, Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin. I'm a huge Led Zeppelin fan. Um. What else? You got to prompt me. ACDC was in sure, there. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, everything in... Van Halen. Uh, Van Halen was my own self-discovery. Okay. He, he didn't love him as much. Interesting. Uh, as that I, was the time to love him. I mean, really. Uh, yeah, I think he was more into Zeppelin. Okay, you know, that's fair. It's, that's fair. I was too. I yeah. Um, I got into Van Halen in high school. Okay. Kind of from fifty one fifty moving backwards, okay, back into the David Lee Roth stuff. Interesting, and, and rediscovering that on deep dive. Um, yeah, uh, and now is the time as my big brother's exposing me to rock. Uh, he's taking me to concerts too. Cool. Do you remember your first? You want the real answer or the both, <laughs> or whichever one you feel like sharing. First concert I went to was Lionel Richie dancing on the ceiling, Madison Square Garden. That's right. My cousin was the sound engineer. We had tickets for the whole family. It was still Lionel Richie at Madison Square Garden. That's phenomenal. I mean that. Yeah. I mean like that. Re- that was a huge record. The first uh, up con- all night on that. Uh, I think up all night dancing on the it's ceiling title track. Uh, yeah, sail on. What about a- hello? Uh, I think that was earlier, but he covered his Motown era, his pre-pop stuff. I thought hello was right in that time frame too. Oh, well, we got Wikipedia. Yeah, we do. I don't want to. Do. I don't want to no, no, use no. my first wiki card no. on Lionel Richie. <laughs> Fair enough. That's cool. Uh, now the first concert that I elected to go to, Pink Floyd, Momentary Lapse of Reason. Wow. Nineteen eighty. That record came out in eighty-seven. Seven. Yeah. Eighty-seven, eighty-eight. Yep. Uh, at the Vet in Philly, which okay. was the old crappy stadium that the Eagles and the Phillies played in. Absolutely. Um, lots of inflatable animals cruising through the crowd. Um, that's wild because I always associate yeah. that with Waters, and that's a waterless record. It is. Waters-less record. Yeah. Uh, and years before marijuana was illegal, I think it was something we were trying in the parking lot sure. in the back of my brother's Mustang. <laughs> With cashmere led, hey, right? Cashmere blasting uh, right. through the back speakers. I mean, if you don't, uh, if there's not, if you don't at least smell it, is it really a Pink, show, Pink Floyd show? Right. Uh, other shows, I saw The Who. They had their farewell tour in '85. They came back in '88 and did a reunion show with a, a bridge Tommy, and then they played their greatest hits. Wow, was that was that fun? Fuck yeah. 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 I mean, 
Tommy is something. Yeah. To, to so take I was I, I was really beginning to rack up the concerts. So not just um, an FM radio fan or an MTV fan or a record store fan. I was checking live music shows at a pretty good clip. Yeah. As a high school kid. I would say so. Yeah. And are you like to get to the you know uh, as somebody who's spent barely measurable amount of time in new york yeah uh is there a, a typical way that you're getting to the venue and back home like what what was you your... got a friend with a license and you say i'll pay for your ticket if you can get me there and back so and no it... no public transportation no no we were all on the exit of the jersey turnpike okay. so we needed cars to get okay in there uh, I think I mentioned all the venues. So New York had Madison Square Garden, and Jersey had Brendan Byrne Arena, and Philly had the Spectrum. Right. So for sure, there was going to be some night and availability to see all the shows that were coming through. Spectrum. I mean, that's the fly- that's the Flyers home, yeah. right? Uh, and this is a it's a good habit. It's a bad habit. But at an early age, I just I still can't say no to a concert. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. And that's... maybe later in the podcast, we'll talk about stuff i've seen in the last year or two sure yeah Yeah, i'd love to um so wow that's i mean very interesting we were talking before uh we were rolling that um you were sort of wondering uh if you should have reached out to see if i have an outline Mm -hmm. and you like almost literally covered it unprompted (laughs) took care of it yeah yeah i I figured we were going to set the table yeah of course of course before we dug in um so the only thing i don't think we covered is and and i'm i say this all the time and it's just part of the deal you you wind up being repetitive because each conversation is new but um i'm very interested in this idea of uh the folks that you're the folks the the stuff that your folks are listening to when you're little and yeah. then and then sort of taking that first step out into building your own collection or in this case seeing your brother do it and then now you've got sort of two feeders to you that have so um for, first album purchase for you do you recall quiet riot metal health excellent I, a cassette i probably still have it uh, vinyl okay okay yeah. okay um, nice I st- Come so, on, feel the noise, bang your head, yeah. metal health. Slick black Cadillac. That's right. On that That's one. right. Um, now, I didn't have to go in and buy albums early because I could borrow from my mom's collection sure. or borrow from my brother's collection. And I guess if we looked up when Quiet Riot came out, it was the early... It's like 83. Yeah, it was almost like MTV version 0.6, right? They were still getting their legs underneath them. They probably had 25 videos that they just repeated. Yeah, you know that. Well, that uh, "Come On Feel the Noise" one was was one of them. It was. It wasn't that like a a a jokey like home setting where the kids listen to it and the yeah, parents probably. can't stand it and then the band comes in yeah the dude with the mask and they're like razzing the parents uh probably i hadn't thought about that in a while yeah um, that's the first one that i remember buying okay like i didn't have to begin a led zeppelin collection no. or a rush collection but now if you like are um so uh, there's a i'm guessing and correct me if i'm wrong uh, a, a turntable in your family room or your yeah. living room, and yeah. then does your brother have his own setup in his room? Correct. And then do you wind up with one yourself? 
yes, yes, and yes. Okay. My so brother there are also, places to go and listen to music on your own. Yep. My brother also started playing electric guitar, which got me to learn, understand, and appreciate music at a deeper level than just listening. Sure. So uh, I think that played a hand in it. Uh, I think I mentioned earlier, and I've said this before, I'll try and state it clean and succinctly. My mom gave me the roots of rock. My older brother gave me the depths of rock. My twin brother gave me the fringes of rock. So he was an alt rock guy. Yeah. Uh, some emo stuff. Sure. He went to private school. I stayed in public school. Okay. So he got his influences otherwise. Yeah. Uh, and then my dad gave me everything else besides rock. So yeah. in addition to Broadway and classical symphony, also jazz. Okay. Man, you're one lucky fella. Like, you get a healthy dose of very well-rounded taste-wise. I, I, I appreciate you acknowledging that. I, I think that I am, and to me... Uh, and probably to you as well, uh, music is like a sixth sense. Not like I can figure it out in advance, but more like sight and smell and taste and feel. Um, music flows through me. We can talk maybe later in the hour about um, you know, feeling God at a concert sure. or something. So um, I'll say to that end, I'll say this. Um, I... Um, just by happenstance, uh, wound up using um, Apple Music as my streaming. Sure. Um, however, um, I have Spotify, and there are things you can do with Spotify without paying for it. Um, I just, and I only say that because I don't want to pay for two. Right. Um, so I discovered, uh, and again, I've said this a thousand times on here, but um, there is a Spotify playlist um that the design the creative design manager for fish mm -hmm. put up curated and put up there and it's all of their walk-in set break and yep. post-show house music from 2009 to current yep and so it's Some like funky stuff in there it's all amazing and, and there are like upwards of 600 albums and upwards of 11,000 hours of music. It is so And massive. it's all a myriad of stuff. It's, it's not just, just like... It's this, somebody is in charge of uh, choosing what they play, what they're playing when you walk into the venue, and then what you hear. It's all over, you know, right. house music, not their stuff. There's zero fish on this yeah. playlist. Um, and I've been at shows, I mean... Uh, How many fish shows have you seen? Uh, 82. Okay. Um, and, um, my, I've been in Philly once and it was last August. I flew out to do three nights on the beach of Atlantic city and I flew into, uh, Newark yeah. and trained down to Trenton and down to Philly and down over to AC. That train from Newark to Trenton went by my hometown. Okay. About halfway I got in, kicked off of it. About halfway in between. Cause yeah, I probably. was, I was on the wrong, they were like, <laughs> they came around like, and they, I, it was the hottest day of the summer, and I had slacks and a button-up right. in my suitcase. And they, I was like, I don't, what are you know? And he's like, we don't take... And then he, as as I'm standing, he pats the Amtrak yep. logo, oh. and the door shut. And they, I was like, oh, my God. And then, <laughs> you know, 10 minutes later, the, the right... New Jersey tra Transit. Yes. The and right I was like, logo train. They don't want to... When you get to the, the building that you go in to go to your train yeah. and there's all these spots, yeah. they don't want to help you. 
because it's like they they only you get want... one chance to ask the right question. Thank you. You're That's welcome. correct. I yeah. could have known. I w- I, and I, I was saving it. You know, I wasn't busting out my wiki on Lionel Richie. No. I was, you know, looking for friendly faces, and it was not. There was not an abundance to. Ch- anyway, um, uh, point being, um, I have a speaker in my kitchen. Yeah, and that playlist just plays it's round the clock on shuffle. What's the name of the playlist? Uh, fish walk up set break. Okay, uh, two thousand nine to. 23 but um i can be doing you name it running a blender which i do very often it's very loud i can be cooking and anytime i'm cooking i'm cooking on a cast iron griddle above two burners that generates a lot of heat so i've got the the fan on um and i can just feel if something about a song is scratching an itch i didn't know i had Sure. And I'll be like, what is this? And if, and I'll go and look. And if, if it's something I haven't already added to my library, I add it right then. And I'm, I've added over a hundred albums. Uh, and then when I, so when I'm out on the road in the car, I'm shuff, I'm on shuffle with that platform. And so I'm sure. just getting fed new, amazing stuff all the time. And then, you know, I'll come across it out in the wild and be like, I don't even remember adding this, but it's awesome. I'm not good at saving in the moment or favoriting in the moment. Uh, and to the converse of that, I'm also not good. I'm a, I'm setting my ways on music. Dude, it's what I have needed for over, for decades. It's like, I, I just need a more like a drip of like new stuff. Cause I don't want to be Led Zeppelin guy till I till the day I die. You know, I, I want to keep a lot of Kings of Leon. Too. <laughs> um, one year, I tasked myself with reading only fictions I hadn't read before because I was into the nonfiction. Thought I was going to understand the world, like everything about the world. Oh boy! You know? Okay. And I was burning out on it, so I took a year and read nothing but fiction books. And so it's like I need maybe not a whole year, but maybe a quarter of music I've never heard before. I don't know. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I really like, I mean, cause I'm telling you it is an experience where you, you know, even if there's no noise, but it's turned down real low and it's like something's pulling me. It's the a sixth earworm. sense. Yeah. It's like, and, and I'll turn it up. Sure. That is a fucking groove right there. Yeah. Bup, 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 and then I go <laughs> right back to, you know what I'm saying? And sometimes I'll come in the room and it's like fading out. And I'm like, ah, and I can't get to it before it skips to the next song. And <laughs> and it's on random. So it's on shuffles. Know. There's yeah, no, yeah. you can skip ahead, but you can't go back. Um, What's but, the band you've seen second most? Oh boy. Um, I, I mean. The dead? No, I never saw the dead. Did you go see the dead in company? Six times. Um, I've probably seen widespread six times i mean somewhere in there uh and that's another thing i've all often sought and it's a weird mental battle it's like somebody somebody has got to come in and kick more ass than fish yes and, and i've been seeing i've been a fan since like 1993 94 and n- nobody's really even come close for, for and, me guns and roses left a gap and then we had grunge which was a wonderful fucking petri dish yes well put i love 
the big three, Nirvana and Pearl Jam and Soundgarden for sure. Yeah. Um, R.I.P. in peace, Chris Cornell. I went to the Kansas City show. Did you see the Kansas City show? Of... Soundgarden? No, no, I've never Second seen... Second to last show. Never seen Soundgarden. Second never to last show. Never saw Soundgarden. Was a Sunday night, if I had to guess, 2016, 20, whatever year he died. They played Detroit on a Thursday night. He committed suicide after the Detroit show. So it was the second to last show. And Soundgarden is a big connection between me and my older brother. So that was... Yeah, we're not. This isn't. We're not waiting for later Just in the podcast. Any, please, if you don't mind. Um, maybe once a year, my brother would be like, "Hey, Soundgarden, you should be listening to them." <laughs> that's that's all he had to say, and it would become my next favorite band. Okay. Um, so I think it was maybe before, during, or after the show. Uh, twenty. Let's call it twenty sixteen. Yeah, I think that's right. Um. I just went deep dive on Soundgarden. You're probably like me that like you have to listen to the band, you know, for a certain period leading up to the show, you got to psych yourself up listening to their catalog. Uh, totally so, depends. Yeah. Totally. But, In a lot of cases. Yes. In some cases I abstain because I want fresh. It took me back to my college years, 91 to 95 living in Scottsdale. Um, and it took me back to the times I would come home and crash in his apartment in the East Village. Okay. That's what Soundgarden was doing. I always me. have in my head, and I don't know why, East Village is like a cool place. Like it's, it's, it's also every- cool just to say. Well, it, it, <laughs> fair, fair. Um, probably aggressive youngsters, and by that I mean not Wall Street yuppies live in the East Village. Okay. Aggressive. They're just grinding out New York City. Like my brother was a musician turned sound engineer, bartender just busting his ass in New York City but making the most of it. Okay. The only the other thing I I meant to throw in earlier when we were talking about New York is and this is a uniqueness that I've not and I'm not a well-traveled person but sure. um there is a sense if it, you know uh if you decide like I'm this is what I'm going to be and I'm going to move yeah. to New York and be that. Yeah. And you do that and you like you know it's, get by for yeah. a year two year then like this sort of uh, elevated sense of accomplishment because yep. i live in the best city in the world or what country whatever your, you your choice here, and you i'm making make it, it. Yeah. yeah and and it's always it always in the moment when i've experienced it it's like Ugh. and then i'm like oh, but i get it you know what i'm saying yeah but so you would your college years you uh, come so home sound garden yeah. yeah um oh this gap in music. So when I want to say when grunge dissolved, dissolved isn't the right word when it was no longer the media darling to focus on. I think dissolved is fair. If you think about like sugar in the bottom of a cup of Kool-Aid, it's not always, you you get to the bottom and there's still some left and you rinse it and then it eventually vanishes. Foo Fighters were born out of the dissolution of grunge. Okay. They're f- they were producing a lot of great, let's just call it rock, right? There wasn't a lot of other band rock going on. And I thought that was going to be the resurgence. Another thing that was happening at the time, music became digitized and fragmented. And so our sources were less 
maybe less reliable. You're or talking less about productive. connecting dots from the Napster. Di- Once Napster, dissolution of grunge is late '90s, and the Napster yeah. and LimeWire are like late late '90s. Yeah, so they're kind of right in the same pocket. It, it right? almost it almost put a um, a vacuum or a blackout on music production. And music itself was becoming digitized, so there was a little more growth in like Fatboy Slim and Chemical Brothers. Yep. Um, and and the the produced music versus created. Recorded, yeah. 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 And so and this is why guys like you and I are seeing bands that are celebrating their thirty year reunion and their forty year reunion. Like these are the ones that are touring that can make the money. And there's nobody that's come along in the last 25 years that wows you and I. Okay. Uh, That's kind of a state of the the union speak on live music. Um, And uh, I would agree. Uh, I moved back to uh, Kansas City in 2000 and was, uh, for the three years prior, I was uh, hosting a weekly radio show. Um, And three-hour slot. Uh, you know, you got to follow the FCC stuff. There's no profanity. Yeah. You got to read a few PSAs uh, and play a couple promos. Uh, and the only other rule is you got to play 10 new tracks per show. And the whole room, the whole library is cat- is is color-coded by genre. And there's a legend on the wall. Yeah. And the, the new stuff is black. It's got black tape on the spine. Sure. So I got to find 10 new tracks and then I, whatever I want you know, in and around that. Was this like KKFI or it's sort of, it's a college community radio okay. station, yeah. uh, KDUR, uh, yeah. 90 in Durango, Colorado. Um, but it, because labels and ban- everybody's sending yeah. places like that, all their stuff. Yeah. And, and oftentimes you're getting it before it's out. So I felt like very cool and in the know. Yeah. And then I moved back to you're Kansas. An influencer. I moved back to Kansas city uh, I'm in the restaurant industry, so I'm spending a million hours a week under the same roof. Yeah, it's not uh, healthy living in the restaurant industry. <laughs> I did it for 20 years. We can sidetrack all we yeah, want on the so restaurant So I'm actually industry. 176 years old. Um, <laughs> but point being, uh, it's just like what's on in the kitchen and what's on in my car, which in yeah. my car, it's whatever CDs I have in yeah. the thing at the time. So I went from like this immeasurable you know Unlimited. sources yeah. that are it's, i'm not asking for it's just coming 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 to like two very specific and it's like so it my mind goes man there's just nobody's making any good music right now man you know like i used to know what was happening and and this and the shit people were getting into and i was like i don't know and so like i felt that way about music in the early 2000s and you're telling me that that feeling was was valid in some sense for it sure. sounds like for sure um so wow oh man that is i've never connected there just seems to be a gap that i don't know if it's come back and i could do a better job at expanding my spotify algorithms for discovery of new music and i could listen to more of 90.9 the bridge in kansas city um and and see what appeals to me I don't want to keep saying I could and I should. I just, I, dude, I, I just need to. Do I've, it. it comes up on this on here all the time. An artist comes up and it's like that is, uh, a, you know, a rabbit hole that I've walked by about fifty six times. And I just <laughs> I haven't taken. I'm gonna 
Right. But for whatever reason, I just haven't yet. This goes into, the, I guess, maybe the theory of our love of music and describing it like a sixth sense. Yes. I don't want it to not be meaningful. I want to I want to find that track that you would hear on the fish playlist. Organ- like uh, organically, yeah. right? Yeah. It's cool when it happens organically. Right. Um this is good stuff. So again, please like jump in. Sure. Tangent, you see a tangent, take it. We'll we'll get back to where we need to be. Yeah. Um so and it, t- you know, one last piece about that. Uh there's a, there's a, a handful a small handful of reasons uh, why I wanted to do something like this. And, and one of those is guys like you and me, I think gals, you know, perhaps of the same age. Um, I have a very, very big uh, spot in my heart for the concept of an album and being how, whatever your outfit is, maybe all five of you equally write every song you ever make. Maybe you have a dude that is whatever he is in the band, but he's the primary songwriter and he brings a skeleton to you guys and you flesh it out and now there's a song and now now we have 10 now it's somebody's going to pony up for us to go record in the studio and then we're going to put out a record and so on and so forth there's so much art in an album if the album is created for art sake right lyrics yep Harmony, melody, rhythm, everything that from the, the, the drums, the bass of the guitars are putting together something that's never been created. Before. Track time, track sequence, uh, cover art, co- I was credits, say cover art. Yeah. Credits are like. And then the sequence of songs. Uh, yeah. Yes. Ought to be an arc of the story. Yeah. Sergeant Pepper, Abbey Road, yep. Born to Run. Physical Graffiti. Physical I mean, Graffiti, Houses of the Holy. Yeah. Four, um, yeah, just about every Rush oh, album. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that ever came out. well said, well said. Yeah, yeah, um, um, and that changed. But once we, I think FM radio expanded it. I think MTV expanded it, and with every expansion comes dilution of okay of music, I yeah, suppose, or music production. Well, um, I just you know don't know that. I feel like there were there was a larger percentage of the population that valued and appreciated albums um, in that six whatever you said something to eighty five seventy to eighty five sixty six to eighty five something like that and, and uh, you know I don't Stevie Wonder started to produce really fucking deep rich albums right yes yes so coming out of Motown yes Stevie Wonder was a big deal for Zappen, sure Black Sabbath for Pink sure Floyd will get into the Rolling Stones but so you know and I I honestly do not want to sound like old guy get off my lawn but yeah. I don't know if that many people care about all of those ingredients that go into an album in the way that folks seem to used to care about it myself definitely being a part of that let me ask you two questions yeah now i see the room around me so this is uh this question answers itself are you a book reader yeah uh second question how often do you go to the nelson atkins art museum not even once a year okay but i I, you make up for it with your book collection i should i love i love it but i mean i have so in the same way that not everyone understands why an album is an album and why that's different from music on Spotify. Not everyone is a book reader. 
Right. And I hate asking another grown person, do you read? Sure. Right? I'm not everybody, there are plenty of people are happy to admit, no, yeah. it's not for me, or I wish I did, or right. I wish I read more. Right. The, what, like, and the art museum thing, to me, I need something I can't see on a screen. Right. And I need to go into that building, the Nelson Atkins Museum, for at least 60 minutes of visual porn. You know, yeah, and I hate using that word, but I need my senses to get wowed. Yeah, right. Not something I can see on a screen. There's great shit on the screen. Right. Even social media is how you and I connected. Yep. Um. It's. It's not rich in substance. No. Like again, an, like very an well said. Very yeah. well said. Um, so in, you know, once we had made that connection and we're doing our back and forth, um, you relatively quickly shot me a list if I recall correctly. Um, and it is, um, unique in that, um, now I've done a few episodes, um, where I've covered, uh, an artist's discography. Sure. Um, and I've got a couple of series going where it's like so, sort of being intentional about going down particular rabbit mm-hmm. holes, but never have I uh, communicated with a, a potential first time guest and they four get, specific albums in a specific window of time Four well, four records by the same artist, right? Even which, um, I love it. It was fascinating to me. Um, and, um, so the Rolling Stones. Yep. Um, as I mentioned a little bit ago, uh, Exile appeared on episode number one, and then uh, so four albums I want to go deep dive on: Rolling Stones, nineteen sixty eight to nineteen seventy two, begins with Beggar's Banquet. Yep. Let it bleed. Yep. Sticky fingers, which appeared on episode seventy five. So we had a seventy four. Yeah. Episode gap with no stone and no stone since. Sticky fingers and then uh Exile on Main Street. Yep. So my love for the Rolling Stones, my deep love for the Rolling Stones really didn't click in until my mid thirties. Interesting. Okay. I saw them in concert in ninety four and thought their greatest hits band just just doing their thing, right? It. I didn't even. I mean, that's. That's what they were doing. Start, that was the Voodoo Lounge tour. Is that have start me up on it? No, no. that was like eighty two. Oh, okay. Or like okay. That. That's tattoo you. What's What's Voodoo Lounge got on? Oh, love is strong. If it, it, if you know, I kind of need to talk about the arc of the Stones catalog. Sure. Talk about Fair where enough. they were at. In, yeah. In ninety four. But but you mentioned uh, uh, greatest hits band doing their thing. Yeah. Uh, in 94, I saw them. Great. Now I can say I've been to a Stones concert. I don't think that they had done anything fantastic since Tattoo U. So that's like a 12-year gap. Uh, and I moved on. And I was listening to a lot of like 90s rock. A lot of U2. Um, Pearl Jam begets the Foo Fighters. Um, started to take a lot of ecstasy and go to clubs and listen to fat boy slim and chemical brothers. And you're, you're in Arizona or no? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I was doing the nice. 
Yeah. Um, Saturday night. The rest of it was like classic rock guy. There you go. Um, all right. So 94, why did it, why did it take so long to get into the stones? They produced the stones were great at multimedia. They'd record an album. They'd go on tour. They'd sell a live album. Lather, rinse, repeat. There's a lot of their catalog. That's like that. They've also made a bunch of live movies. Um, 19, no, check that. In the OOs, Martin Scorsese directed them, and I wish I'd written this down. They played the Beacon Theater for two nights. Oh. They, they recorded it. Uh, Shine a Light is the name of the movie. Ooh, nice. It's part documentary about their live performances, and then it's part Stones at the Beacon. And that's, I'm getting goosebumps right now. <laughs> Excellent. The, the way... The music that they wrote, the way that they perform. Unbelievable. <laughs> Is it, are you recording on that one? Yeah. It's yeah. fine. Uh, um, movie came out right around maybe 2007, 8, directed by Martin Scorsese called Shine a Light. Um, two Nights of the Rolling Stones at the Beacon Theater. Uh, and then they were interweaving old concert footage and interviews into this movie. I went and saw the movie, and that's when it hit me. The, the, the two-guitar composition. In the movie, it's Keith Richards Ronnie Woods. But there is no comparable rock composition. There's a lot of people that tried. Aerosmith, for example. Brad, Brad... Stephen, uh, yeah, yeah, Joe Perry and Brad, Brad Whitford. Whitford. Yeah. Um, and they just picked up where the stones kind of left off. But um, so then I went back into these four albums after seeing that movie. Mm. And this became. Was there something a particular in the movie that directed you to these four? A couple songs. Okay. And we can look that up. Um that's when I went back into these four albums, and we can go back to the Stones, kind of 62 to 68, and what they were doing. Um, these albums seem to be the apex of who the, who the Rolling Stones were and what they were capable of. Um, they had grown up a bit from their earlier days, so they came into rock when um, it was all like, you know, uh, I'm trying to, you know, like Buddy Holly kind of take my sweetheart to the dance and, you know, kiss and drop her off at nine o'clock yeah. songs. Yeah. Um, the Stones started with a very little bit of that, but became really like the bad boys pretty quickly with like satisfaction and mm. get off my cloud mm -hmm. and moving the establishment into anti-establishment because this was the mid to late 1960s that was going on. So they became kind of the anthem, the flag bearers of the alt generation, I guess. And okay. we can go through some of their earlier stuff. I ran this by my uh, big brother, musician, production manager, sound engineer, when I got invited to do the podcast because I wanted to get his take on things. The Stones had the advantage of two lead guitar players with Brian Jones and Keith Richard. Brian Jones is the one that pushed them out of um, the Love Me Do set and into more um, 
like 2000 light years from home, paint it black, um, Ruby Tuesday, which is a little lovey dovey, yeah. but, um, kind of different than just like straight up four, four rock. Okay. So they were already pretty progressive. Um, I couldn't tell you exactly what happened in between like satisfaction and jumping Jack flash to get over to beggars banquet which opens up with Sympathy for the Devil, which is like an all-timer. Dude. Yeah, I mean, there's just the, openers, the openers on all of, these. all of these. I'm like, damn, oh, right out of yeah, the gate. throwing heat. I'm going to run up and crack that. You good? Yeah. So the Stones were beginning to grow up as a band, getting some hits underneath them, Jumpin' Jack Flash, Get Off My Cloud, Satisfaction. Rock in itself was coming into its own um, in sort of a drug-induced influence. Okay. Right? So um, the Beatles put out Sgt. Pepper. The Stones put out, uh, I might butcher this, uh, Satanic Majesty. Mm. What, what's the name of the album? The, oh, I don't the, know. Their Satanic up. Majesty's Request. Yes. And I think that's the equivalent of um, when you first make pancakes, you kind of throw out the initial batch. I don't think there's much that's good on there, but they were flexing as a creative band. Um, you know, we, we almost need to go all the way back because they were a blue, they were a blues cover band in the UK. Interesting. Okay. That's how the stones really got started. Right. Uh, legend has it. Mick met Keith on a, uh, train stop. Oh, and they, he had some records from the record store, and he's like, "What do you got, mate?" And that's how it happened. Um, so they were they started with some um, some blues like Buddy Guy. They would play um, also pretty much ripping off uh, Chuck Berry okay. covers. But this is what the British kids were eating up. Folks, right? folks like to lob the ripping off at Zeppelin. Uh, Seldom oh, yeah. do you hear it said about the Stones. Yeah. You know, my buddy who's from England called the Stones the most overrated bar band ever. <laughs> I'm not going to say he's wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, so... This is... And by the way, uh, I've always... In, in the corner of the ring, the pro Zeppelin, if, you, if you're if you in a, a Zeppelin V Stones, I'm always in the Zeppelin corner. You want to have it out now or later in the No, hour? no, no, no. So uh, uh, when, uh, and that's not me, that's me never sitting down and intentionally listening to the Rolling Stones. It's Why? what It's what I've heard. It's what's been classic rock radio, okay. uh, FM radio. Um, and so when folks do have given me Stones albums, it's really, you know, I'm just developing an appreciation for especially these four but um yeah so so the the greatest bar band most overrated bar band of all time uh ripping off chuck berry playing blues stuff yeah um they had brian jones resigned from the band and they picked up mick taylor mm -hmm. um I can only go by what I hear from the album, from the songs and albums produced. Um, Mick was a more accomplished guitar player, sort of up and down the neck. So it it, get, it has to get to Mick 
to where you're saying the benefit of two lead guitar the, players? The two guitar composition that I consider to be, and this is just one guy on a podcast, right? Um, the apex of the creation of rock music. Okay. So I might put Zeppelin as more hard rock versus rock and roll. Okay. Another, yeah, well, they're definitely harder than yeah, the Stones. Another yeah, another barstool conversation. Yeah. So I was a craft beer bartender for a while. Okay. And the question I get asked the most is, well, what's good here? And I would tell them, well, every palate is different. Yeah. And the same goes for music and the same goes for whatever entertains you, whether it's a Chiefs game or around a golf or the art museum. It's all in the eye of the beholder. Right. Um, I could talk about craft beer for a little while. Too, but um, <laughs> no, so that for to me, and I'm open to anybody's intelligent conversation on it, um, I would have to get into some of their songwriting. I believe it was mostly Mick. Um, every member played their part. Um, but I think that their songwriting got better as they grew up as a band. They were doing more of their own thing versus playing somebody else's blues music sure. or Chuck Berry's. They had uh, enough experience in the records that they produced along the way up until 1968. And we could go through some of that. But they were qualified hit making band at yeah. that point i think bringing mick taylor in and i can do some research on where he came from if it's relevant to the podcast or anything uh expanded what was capable sure oh, of keith elevated richards their ceiling yeah keith richards talents charlie watts it could be said uh, you know you can't say someone's in the hall of fame and call them underrated yeah i think his input and impact is less spoken about than mick and keith okay for sure um yeah classic drummer the one thing i heard when charlie watts passed away is his ability to play the drums while creating space for keith's guitar licks so he would hold a half beat before smashing down so that keith could get the extra notes oh nice or something like huh. that. so i think they were really starting to fit each other so um, their growth as a band, the expansion of what rock music was doing and meaning and being um, gave them a richer platform to create. For sure. I guess. Well, to those last two points, uh, I, I came across one quote. A lot of uh, sort of leading up to this, you know, 1968 uh, it's unclear to me because there's UK and US releases which record this is of theirs and how many they had, but yep. a, a, somewhere in seventh to eleventh out of twenty-eight, I don't even know. Um, but uh, to your final two points, there, uh, I'm seeing a lot of Brian Jones's uh, appearances are becoming fewer and far between. And then uh, you, when this record uh, is revisited, uh, it was said that nothing else captured the youthful spirit of Europe in 1968 like Beggar's Banquet. Um, it's, uh, you know, like we talked about uh, with the opener, um, it, it, amazing, just, you know, kicking the, kicking the doors off the hinges and um, really getting after it all the way to I, I, salt of the earth as the closer yep. maybe one of the 
maybe the strongest track on the record. Um, but we could go a couple minutes just on sympathy for the devil. Please do if you feel like it. I'm not sure there was a comparable song written. I don't know that there has been either. If I heard this song as a kid, anytime age four to 12, the drum track intro for sure is a hook. Yeah. If you listen to the song, they stair step you into it with just the drum tracks and then you go deeper when he says please allow me to yeah, introduce myself absolutely and so it is uh orally in your ear intriguing yes i want to know more i want to see where this is going well, it, it all you get a like a, a shaker or something the maraca, to, the maraca yeah. to kick it out and then you get yeah please allow me to introduce myself i'm a man of wealth and fame yep now I'm into the story. <laughs> yeah. Like, who are they talking yeah. about? Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you ever mix in the audio as we're no. going through? No, I can't. Okay. Uh, for YouTube, will oh. take you, it we down. Don't, we don't have the rights. No, correct. Correct. Uh, if you're a lawyer in the in the entertainment industry, we have we have a an offer for you. Yeah. Free podcast time. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, um, we could talk about Sympathy for the Devil. I think if you, I think that could go in your top 20 all time rock and roll songs. It's a darn good one. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, any other. And so, where they were coming at, I, w- I mean, I, I would just like to know what, what they were thinking when they wrote that song. That would it's be not a party song, right? That the Stones. No, it's a story. Could would for sure be known for. Yeah, the Stones started to brand themselves. I kind of when I listened to all four of these albums, and I probably did about eight times since the invite came a month ago. Wow. To now. Okay. Yeah. Impressive. Um, pleasing. It was fine. Like, yeah. You know. Um. Also, I'm. I suck at choosing new music. So I might as well go. <laughs> With what's familiar. Yeah, um, yeah I, I forgot what I was going to say about... Um, this, they started... Uh, uh, it, oh. There's the Rolling Stones as a country band. Yeah. There's the Rolling Stones as a blues, blues band. Blues band, yep. And then there's the Rolling Stones with all-time fucking bangers, like Sympathy for the yeah. Devil and yeah. Street Fighting Man. Um, I like the simplicity of this album when we get into exile on main street i think it's a little too bloated uh-huh. i will tell you one thing um if uh beggars was 68 uh one year later let it bleed 69 i was like huh what is the follow to beggars gonna sound like and i was not expecting it to you know if the, if and this is not a a connotation of any sorts, but it seems uh, as if there's this evolution in in sound and personality and style for them as an outfit, and I think this almost instead of continuing in what you would envision in that trajectory, they like firmed their stance at, at the root level of things and went earthy went like folky went bluegrass ish kind of and some of it for <clears throat> sure um 
interesting that Gimme Shelter is another album opener that stair steps you into the depths of the song. Yep. And both feature uh, very intriguing uh, backing vocals. Right. And you get the ooh in, in, right. in both of them. You get, you get ooh, and then the pre- previous one you get the ooh, ooh, right? Right. But yeah. There's um, a lot of country on this, so that's where your lighter take, like not... Let's see. We got nine songs on Let It Bleed. Yep. Run 42 uh, minutes. One, two, three, four, five bangers, all timers. Chock full of hits. Gimme Shelter, Live With Me, Midnight Rambler, Monkey Man, and You Can't Always Get What You Want. There's yeah. a lot. Rich. Uh, yeah. Very rich. All timers. Uh, for sure. Gimme Shelter and You Can't Always Get What You Want, All Timers. Midnight Rambler, if you're a Stones fan, yes. But they're just putting out great hits, well, like Monkey Man. Um, there are at least three, if not four, hits on this record that I, I just didn't know the song titles of. I have heard them a, a bunch of times. Nothing to the nothing to the end of... Uh, right. Of... Uh, 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 Gimme shelter or mm. or um, can't always get what you can't want. always get. But it's like, oh shit, dude, I know this song. Oh my god, I know this one too. I know this one. Like, wow, yeah. okay, okay, guys. Um, <clears throat> so, side story relating to Let It Bleed. Once a year, our public library would have a book sale. Only the cool kids knew that they also had an album sale in but the in New Jersey. New Jersey. Okay. Okay. And. My parents are both well-read people. I spent a good part of my childhood taking books out of the library. Nice. This was a thing that we went to every year. My older brother knew to go straight for the album collection. And so this was like, you know, like grandma's neighbor's yard sale. Wow. Because you're finding stuff like Let It Bleed at the age of 10 years old. It's my vinyl right i'm holding on to it it's part of my collection yeah i didn't take it from my mom's shelf right it wasn't my brother saying hey listen to this i'm a kid sitting in his room i got a so so sparse but growing collection of albums and this is one that i just played it's a great one to add i fell in love i think i fell in love with the stones at an early age okay but sidetrack. They ha- like I said, they haven't always been my favorite. Whatever the contents of that sparse collection were, you add that record, and this is just uh, my opinion. You add that record, and it shifts the ranking of everything else you own. For sure, right? Like twos become threes, and <laughs> nines become sixes, or what? You know what right, I'm saying? Right. And there's there's very few like ones. Yeah, exactly. In the collection. Exactly. In the yeah, I wish I could remember. Um, I went away to college in 91 and just handed over my 40, 50 albums to my brother. I said, just add them into your collection. Did you ever be like, can I, can I have those back? No. <laughs> I, um, in between my first and second marriage, which was also in between my first and second divorce, I had a buddy who's a stand-up comedian and fancies himself a really funny fucking guy. He said, Willie, you get divorced again, you're going to be down to a quarter of your shit. <laughs> so I quit amassing things. Hey, I, wise. I yeah. Very wise. Yeah. Um, in that album collection, 
I was 15 years old. I got backstage at a Metallica concert. Fantastic story. But they used to have... All right, I'll start at the beginning. Yeah. I was born in New York City. Uh, one of the girls in the apartment complex, teenager, was my babysitter who grew up and then started to work in the music industry and got a job for Q Prime, which was Metallica's early management company. Oh, wow. Metallica was after Cliff Burton before they released And Justice for All second band on a five-band show, summer showcase called Monsters of Rock. Yeah, of course. Kingdom Come. Then Metallica played before Dokken. Then Scorpions. Mm. Then Van Halen mm. off their OU812 album. Okay. She Kingdom says, Come. She says, I can get you guys back. If you guys get tickets to the show, I'll have some backstage passes waiting for you at the ticket window. My cup runneth over with these stories. Yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah, we're in. That's great. Got my older brother to take me. I said, when are we going backstage? He goes, later. When are we going backstage? He goes, later. Metallica finishes their set. He goes, now, now. we're going backstage. <laughs> and I had no idea about the timing of things. Sure. He had already figured that out. We go backstage within 90 seconds. I'm talking to James Hetfield. Wow. 1989. Dang. I'm about 15 years old. Thank God my older brother is a musician and can have a conversation because I'm just a fucking idiot with zits and braces and shit like that. And Hetfield looks at me and he goes, you want a Corona? And I look at my brother and he goes, yeah. I'm drinking a Corona with James Hetfield while talking about speed metal with my older brother. Damn. I ended up getting all four guys in Metallica. In record stores, they used to have like 12 by 12. It's the size of an album cover, yeah. but it's not the album cover. Right. Slicks. I had the monster, um, Master of Puppets signed by all four guys, kept it in my vinyl collection, handed that vinyl collection over to my brother. That's the last I've seen of it. Okay. And, and he's... Where is he again? Is He's he in? in New York City. Okay. Yep. He says he doesn't have it. It's fine. Written, sure. No, but it's, 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 it's a, a great story. It's a curiosity. It's yeah. Not... Someone, you know, maybe it's in a used record store somewhere. Sure. Um, or on somebody's wall and they're... Yeah, they're claiming yeah. the story. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I remember going back to school the next day and not wanting to brag about meeting Metallica. Interesting. Because I didn't, I think people, I thought people would think I'm full of shit and bragging about it. So I only told a couple, couple of close friends. Okay. Still a cool um, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Metallica played a big part in my teenage years. Um, everything from Kill 'Em All, Ride the Lightning, Master of Puppets, and Justice for All in the Black album. Uh, then I put them away for a while. Now they're one of the grand old acts touring at 40 years of of touring. Yep. Um, so they're cool. That's yeah. my Metallica story. Yeah, and they're like, you know, a, a healthier yeah. version of themselves than they were for those other albums, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and they've still got chops, you know? So They're like, a great band. You know? I mean, why not? Have you ever seen them? No. Uh, yes, with, uh, with Guns N' Roses. Uh, way back when and body count yeah like at arrowhead 90s yep yeah yep i got dropped on my head crowd surfing that's when axel out david himself yeah. and dissolved guns and roses yeah 
but I mean, body count was in the dudes on stage with yeah. shotguns and oh, ice really? tea. Fuck, you know. Yeah. Uh, what was the cop killer? That yep. was the. Uh, yep. But yeah, that was a wild uh, show. So going back to Let It Bleed, Gimme Shelter is an important song. The Stones played a free concert in, I guess if this came out in 69, it was 68, 69, they played a free concert in Altamont, California. Mm. And unofficially, the Hells Angels biker gang was running security. Yes. And the Hells Angels stabbed and knifed a guy to death in front of the stage with the Stones playing live and the concert was shut down. A guy? Yeah, I thought it was. I thought I read that it was a, a black girl. I think it was a guy. Huh. Okay. You, you just did your half-ass internet research. Yeah. I'm not I don't. I don't. Half-ass. I don't use the R word though. <laughs> research. Yeah, because I'm not. I don't have a. What was the name of that album? Uh, the, the Stones movie. Uh, I'm not sure. But I mean, I'm sure if you. Uh, I mean, uh, gosh, it's like almost. I can almost see her name. Was like Meredith or, um, but any, any, I mean, I I'm skimming, right? I'm not like taking notes. I'm just scanning stuff yeah. while I'm listening to the tracks. Meredith, Meredith Hunter. Hunter, you got it right. I I I feel confident saying half s <laughs> internet Googles. You know, not okay. There's a podcast called The Rewatchables. Oh, really? Which is about the movies you would watch twenty five times. Sure. Um, do you know who Bill Simmons is? Yeah, a he's a sports talking sports head. And Page it's one two. Of, yeah, it's one of his yeah. properties. Okay. Uh, and they have a section of the podcast called Half Ass Internet Research. Oh, funny. Yeah. So um, that's where I get the expression. Uh, kind of an icon. Uh, in I mean, not kind, he's definitely an icon in terms of doing what he wanted to do how he wanted to do it when i mean he kind of he kind of just kept batting 400 you know it's like he saw the evo- five years ahead of him yeah all the time yeah and what he was doing of like covering sports from the fans take rather than the announcers take or the broadcasters take became uh, a huge medium for espn until he stopped getting along with ESPN for mm. their reasons, not for his. Right. Uh, the movie is called Gimme Shelter. Okay. And of all people, George Lucas was at the show with a camera, and a lot of the footage is George Lucas. Footage. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nuts. Yeah. So they play this free concert, Hell's Angels, person gets... Things got bad. Gimme Shelter was written. Gimme Shelter is also about um, our country fighting in Vietnam mm. at the time. That's um, a. I feel like that definitely the opening to that track. Yeah, I can see it as parts of you know like a chopper scene in a Vietnam movie. Or, or I would bet it you probably know, was in. It feels like it would fit right a there. A couple of them. Then they go country music back to back with Love in Vain and Country Honk. Country Hawk, uh, Which Honky is, Tonk Women came out years before, so I think that was just kind of riff. That was confusing. I was like, what? I, this is With not what this song beginning. is called, and I've never heard this version of it before. Yeah. Uh, Live With Me is a straight-up rock and roll banger. Um, let It Bleed into their country stuff. Midnight Rambler could be one of Keith Richards' best songs. Um, that's definitely a go-to when you see them live in concert. I've seen a bunch of their concert videos for sure. 
Um, every album they give Keith a song. This album is You've Got the Silver. I like Keith as kind of a Tom Waits kind of crooner. I was just getting, I was waiting for an opportunity to say something. You Tom wanted Waits. the Tom Waits drop? I, I just want. Or wa- just that song well, in particular? Well, just that uh, I've done an episode covering the Tom Waits discography. Oh, wow. And was very pleased to know that Keith appeared on at least two of his records. Yeah. Um, and, like, it's it's a, a way to hear Keith play that I don't, that I, as not somebody that's ever sat down, put sure. on the snow, like, I hear Keith is more audible to me in, in some, of, some of the tracks on those records that he appears on. And there's a real funny story where um, uh, Tom Waits is trying to get it, because he would just... Mark Rabot is on the, on one of those two. He would just come out with an acoustic guitar and play uh, just a, here's what I think the song is. And then they would record and, and flesh it out on the fly yeah. and develop it as a song then. Yeah. And, and there was an, there was an exchange between Tom and Keith and he's saying, uh, man, I was trying to, uh, trying to, t- to tell him to move in a certain way. Like, actually like Dan, you know Tom uh, was telling Keith, Keith, Keith was telling Tom's Tom was telling Keith and and Keith isn't getting the message and so then he like um gets real specific and says man I just I just want you to move in this kind of way and he's like oh I, you should have said that in the first place it it's a, it reads much better than, than yeah, yeah. my summarized version of it there but uh your point about Tom Waits was as a crooner yes okay okay keith has i think keith is one of the most uh he has an an economy of effort in his guitar playing he's not eddie van halen nope he's just he's simple but he's on point it's a little bit not uh, it's more than a little bit of chuck berry influence okay um that's why he always needs a mick taylor or a ron wood mm. to fill the yeah, space yeah um nothing wrong with that either uh two things keith richards under the influence is a documentary on netflix oh all of he put out an album around 2015 he breaks the album up into um artists that have influenced him as, oh as he's touring around different spots of america okay so put good, that in good your, watch yeah, yeah nice put that into your queue and then uh are you much for rock and roll biographies yeah if you read the keith richards one okay yeah okay that's about most of what i know about the stones history and what they were doing through that there. lens um i mean the guy's a legend yeah <laughs> i mean i think he's gonna be like on fallon like tonight yeah or this week uh, anyway yeah it's so i remember Blue and Lonesome came out in about 2017. They put out another album pretty soon after. It was like COVID, so 2020, 2021. Okay. And this speaks to the gap in who's creating rock music for us these days. Right. Because a Stones album, when they're 75 years old, is still as good, if not better, than most of the stuff that they want us to buy and listen now to. um you could take that to be gospel right what yeah. you just said but also uh 
if you again go back to that list of ingredients that goes into the making of an album, yeah. they're not going to get any slouches for any of those roles. Like sure. it's going to be, sure, you know, good quality. Like uh, there's not going to be. I wouldn't think yeah. there's going to be any dog shit. You know, right? Uh, if 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 anybody has had a no man in their crew, it's probably the stuff. You know, yeah. My my buddy from episode one uh, used to joke many years ago about the importance of having a, a no man in your crew. I'm like, hey, dude, that's that's not a good idea. Oh, yeah. we're, we're, you're not driving or don't don't put that gun in your car or we yeah. don't need to bring that weed with us whatever <laughs> you know uh i'm sure the stones have uh, had some no right. hey, uh that's funny how about we don't put that track on the album just yet right and we t- let's uh, see how it goes with that all right well, you know and then they probably are wise enough to listen right anyway but it, it could just be that they still can make a really good record regardless of all this points right yep um so two-year leap from let it bleed to sticky fingers 10 tracks 46 minutes this one man uh sticky fingers legendary album cover of course opens Um, up with brown sugar put it in the stones top 10 of all time put brown sugar in the top 30 rock songs ever absolutely um, but it, there's there. So if, you know, like I said, that earthy sort of rootsy feel going from beggar, uh, beggars banquet to let it bleed, then this is just, in my opinion, uh, it's like when you learn the moves that the, the knight has on a chessboard, you're like, what? Yeah. It's and it's jump and the, and the square that they land on is shredding. Right. It's like, gee, wow. Okay, guys. I mean, uh, this is probably the first album title that I became familiar with just in terms of the title. Yeah. And, and I remember being like, wow, people have favorite stones records. Aren't they just a greatest hits band? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Constantly making the round. Right. Um, but talk about this one for you. Uh, interesting that although it's the third in chronological order, it's the fourth one that I came to. Okay. Um, no particular reason of all four of these this might be chock full of their greatest hits and all right. and to use that term denigrates a little bit of of these great songs that they're producing you've got almost as a carryover from the last album i'm going to use live with me and i'll come back to it um, Brown Sugar, Can You Hear Me Knocking, Bitch. Yeah. Um, those Now the Stones are becoming the best party band that's out there, right? And, and for good reason. They're, yeah. They're great tunes. So those tunes are different from Gimme Shelter yep. and Sympathy. Sympathy for the yep. Devil that are just rock poetry uh, in easy terms. So kicking what off... What did you study in Arizona? <laughs> Alcohol, cocaine, hallucinogens, uh, and a little bit of political science. Okay. I have an undergrad in political science. I have a master's degree in organizational management. Interesting. I've been um, in different sorts of tech jobs for about 25 years um, and a good rich history in the service industry, bartender, waiter. You've got uh, really, and trust me when I say that I am a connoisseur, (laughs) 
uh, my master's is in creative writing. If I oh, nice. if I were independently wealthy, I would I would publish. I would cr- crank pub- out novels. You publish anything? Nah, <laughs> no. But uh, you have an uncanny knack for um, phrasing. Yes, I mean it's like five or six times already. I'm like, damn, I wish I was my sharp like that. Mom was a textbook editor in her career. My dad was a PR man uh, with a lot of copywriting. Okay. Um, they would argue over <laughs> the New York times because there was only one crossword puzzle in there and they ended up each having their own subscription to the times. Uh, I've shared with you that we were, um, a library card family. Yep. Um, so they, they probably set a high bar of expectation on reading before well movies I mean, it and all, TV sitcoms. It all sounds good to me. Well, I so pr- I appreciate that. But I I, I I cut you off. You were no, going. it's fine. Um, Brown Sugar yep. coming out as a banger, uh, a party song. Um, they're coming back into blues and country for sure with Sway and Wild Horses. Mm. Wild Horses is just a beautiful still. Song. Still, that's yeah. uh, like a lot. I'm, I, I, I've said it a thousand times. I stayed way too long in camp classic rock radio to where like you, you just say, couldn't hear what you wanted to hear. Anymore. No, it's it's. I burned myself out on a lot of tunes, and and it's and some artists and like if you say the word credence, I immediately hear the Susie Q riff, and it makes me want to jump off of a bridge. I hear Bad Moon Rising, but I... That's... You know, but many, many, many portions of those listening hours were... uh, I I stayed too long. And so a lot of the Stones hits, um, like, ugh, like cringe, because I've over... But... Hard to dig into them. But Wild Horses, there's a handful that I will never... Wild Horses, Can You Hear Me Knocking, Bitch is a Maybe... Dead Flowers. Dead Flowers is maybe my favorite track on the and record. And you could rock me to sleep with Moonlight Mile. Okay. Uh, you know, six nights a week and I'd be happy. Um, for a mainstream album, there's still a lot of creativity Yeah. in this. Uh, by the way, Your Credence is my Steve Miller band. Okay. I don't need them. I don't want them I... in my life. I don't need them in my life. Yeah. If you told me they were playing at Starlight and you were going to feed me and drive me there, I'm a maybe. Interesting. And I'll go see a lot of shows. Now, uh, there are, if you want to just talk about, here's, the th- here's uh, you know, the novice Steve Miller guy, so don't, don't hate on me. But there's two things to look at. One is Greatest Hits. And the other is uh, Abracadabra, because I <laughs> yeah. didn't know for the longest time that those were the same folks. Right. But they're big old jet airliner. I, I might walk out of the room if you put that on. Mm-hmm. Yet I don't mind listening to Fly Like an Eagle. Um, you know, it's because it was trippy, man, like before I even knew what that meant. There's not a Steve Miller song <laughs> that will... Stop me from changing the station. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> well, uh, I just thought this is no um, disrespect to Beggars or Let It Bleed because they're both great records. But ba- really, back to that whole, you know, what is an album? Uh-huh. I just I felt like this was really solid and really cohesive. Uh, hits be damned. It is they 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 went in and they made a record and and what came out of it is what came out of it. It's not like they were like, right. do you guys are gonna love tracks two, six, seven, and you know what I'm saying? Yeah, this has no sympathy for the devil or gimme shelter. 
Um, or you can't always get what you want. Like those right. are songs that were saying something. These just seem to be really great mainstream rock. They slow it down with wild horses. They're going to kill you with Can You Hear Me Knocking and Bitch and Brown Sugar. Do you want to pivot that guy so that's pointing? Sorry. No, you're good. You don't have to sit up. I just, if you oh. start. Tw- there you go. There okay. we go. Thank you. Um, yeah, man. Uh, good stuff. And um, we're going to take a- another one year leap, right? From 71 to 72 with what uh, you there's called a, a little. There's an album worth mentioning, which is uh, I mentioned that the Stones would do an album, go on the road, record a live concert, and release that while they were making their next subsequent album. 1969 get your yayas out yeah i saw that yeah yeah um it's just it's worth mentioning um of a great live album put into this i just i wanted to go through the studio albums get your yayas out is worth mentioning well it stuck out because my kids call their mother's mom yaya Yaya. (laughs) so i did a double take i was like oh that's cute and then (laughs) right so Get Your Yaya's Out is the live record uh, that came after yep. Sticky Fingers. Uh, correct. Okay. No, before Sticky before Fingers, Sticky after Fing- Let It Bleed. After Let It Bleed. Sticky Fingers. Okay, cool. Um, I, you know, nothing fantastic. I like my stones in a lot of different mediums. There's um, some of their more recent concerts are on YouTube. That's always good filler for me around the house. Um, I listened to this four-album set day after day after day uh, and then i'll put it away and later in the year i'll come right back this to is it. not the first time that you've clumped these four albums together fascinating okay hence the relatively quick response because <laughs> there have been three camps yep and f- some people are like dude that's like asking me to pick my favorite kit or uh let me think about it and i'll get back to you and then they do sometimes it's a while and then the the final camp is like the person that's been waiting to be asked that question they have it written down you weren't that but you were somewhere sort of in the middle um tears two and three it's interesting how and when you came to me i just started a new job and as your fun fact on the first day you have to talk about one of your strongly held beliefs that's really meaningless in the grand scheme of the world Ooh, I like that. So some people are like, I hate buttered popcorn. Or <laughs> um, mayonnaise is the worst condiment ever. Team mustard all the way, baby. And I would say that this four album run is the best rock music ever produced. Okay. okay. Did you share that at your ice breaking session or whatever it was? Yeah, it came and went. It was just, it was like the kickoff of an of an hour. They had more important things to discuss. So the CEO will go, "Oh, very interesting," and then they move on to the next new hire. Um, so you had asked within. Now I spent some time thinking about how I don't want to freeze up on Zoom, so I need to have something clever but not too risky to say. Boom! I'll just drop that. And so it was like not quite top of mind when you reached out. So that was just a natural response to it. Um, before we hang up the line, I want to go with um, some of the also rans. So what we could have chosen. Oh sure. After we're done with absolutely. The, done I'm with glad you said so. I'm yeah. glad I would have asked in some form. Yeah. Um, but well, you, I want to know what yours are. Oh man, that's that's a that's tough. 
So uh, get your yayas out, and listener, if you want another great one, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the Rolling Stones. Ooh, okay. Which comes out, I think, nineteen seventy-two. Um, a little more driving rock soundtrack than get your yayas out. Get your yayas out a little bit earlier. Um, maybe a little more balanced, but they're both great live records. Cool. Now we get on to Exile on Main Street. 1972, 67 minutes, 18 tracks, a double album of the finest variety, albeit a little bloated, I believe you said. A little bloated. You want to start there or you want to start somewhere else? Um, well, when you say start there or somewhere else, what is there and what is There else? is a little bloated. Somewhere else is... Uh, let's get to bloated a little bit later. Okay. Um the Stones actually were in exile at the time. They were a band without a home. Uh, a lot of their earn they owed taxes to the United Kingdom on a lot of their earnings. Oh my! And so, if they established residency somewhere else, could they skirt that? There was also, uh, I'm pretty sure Mick and Keith on separate occasions were arrested for drugs. Okay. And so there was they were actually a band in exile. Interesting. Um, but Main Street means it's visible to everybody, right? Is that uh, the? I don't know what the Main Street thing. I believe this was recorded at a mansion in Paris, and there's very little cohesion of the band as a band. Keith was sleeping all day, drugs all night, laying down guitar tracks. Well, um, I just meant the, the, the there's a paradox within the album title. Like you can't uh, be in exile if exile you're on Main on Street because you're in the public eye. Anyway. I think, yeah, Main Street probably does speak, you know, before social media, bands could still be globally famous and unable to leave their hotel, things like that. Right. I think the Stones had gotten that big. Um, the opener rocks off, nothing special about it, mm. except it sets the table for there's going to be some rock and roll on this album. Straight from Rocks Off into Rip This Joint, it's almost like they're kicking off a show. Right? right. And they want you on your feet. Like Some bands will ease the audience into it. Uh, Pearl Jam does a great job at that. Um, but with Rocks Off and Rip This Joint, um, they're, they're kind of making their presence known with authority from the start. Mm. Um, you know, I talked about this album being bloated the first one we could take off is shake your hips okay there's really nothing to it um uh, you know uh, like i said they were they were recording separately around the clock and then mixing after the fact this sounds like an experiment shake your hips mm. okay uh, i can't remember anything specific about song four casino boogie um, tumbling dice is one of those songs that would, if, if, if all you're hearing is the stones on classic rock, tumbling dice is one of the five songs you're going to hear ad nauseum. Um, it's a, it's a great band song. It's not in my favorite 20 Rolling Stone songs. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Well, um, this is a, a unique album for me in a lot of ways um been to two fish festivals yeah one was the baker's dozen is that it well, that's not a festival it's a it's a series of shows it's a residency a okay. brief yeah. residency 
The other was um, in 2007, maybe. Anyway, uh, Indio Empire Polo Grounds in Indio, California, mm-hmm. where Coachella is held. Mm-hmm. They they hosted their eighth festival, an aptly titled, titled Festival 8. Um, it took place over the course of a Halloween weekend. Mm-hmm. And historically, on if they're playing a Halloween show, it's going to be a three-set show. And sets one and three are a normal show. And set two, sandwiched in the middle, they, do, they play an album in its entirety. And nice. it, and it's uh, historically Do you know going in no, which album that's they're gonna exactly play? the point like moments yeah. before, uh, you know, set one is about to begin of actual playbill, like printed, you know, official like will circ yeah. will circulate, and that's when you find out. So I'm out there, um, hoping for whatever, and it's just about go time. The playbill starts going around, and it's exile on Main Street. Oh shit! And I was like, "Fuck the Stones! God <laughs> damn it!" Um, but they had um, uh, Sharon Jones of uh, R.I.P. in Peace, Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings, and another uh, gal as as backing vocals, and then they had a whole horn section. Um, and in fact, they ended up making a movie about the set and there's great footage of seeing them rehearse. Wow. Cause this is a, no small undertake no. to, to cut. So anyway, it's like, okay, whatever that was, whatever. But, um, it was, it was cool to be at. And, and the, the second piece to that is that, um, every fish, every song that that band has covered, in my opinion, 10 out of 10 times it's better than the original version. <laughs> now Fish is your favorite band? Of without question. Okay. All, you know, so f- there's some bias. Of course. This is in the in the ear of the beholder. So Loving Cup has uh-huh. always been a, a song that they routinely play. It's usually a set closer or part of an encore yeah. and everybody gets fucking jazzed out of their minds to say what a beautiful buzz i mean yeah. you know it's it's their version of it is amazing it's just glorious they extend it or they keep it yeah the yeah yeah minutes? oh it's it, you know the the height of the stones version energy wise is like a seven and they yeah. they come out at like you know an 11 it's it's i'm gonna have to look it's up. wonderful um so well, let's get into loving cups so tumbling dice very mainstream very good rock song but it's been killed on fm radio um sweet virginia torn and frayed a lot of uh heart and soul put into it more than just uh, uh like tumbling dice i would say uh and sweet black angel although if we're you know, if we're trimming this down to 12 great songs, I don't know if Sweet Black Angel makes a cut. Uh, and then you brought in Loving Cup. And I should say Sweet Virginia, they sometimes will cover some. You, once they did this, then all of these are up for grabs for them if yeah. they feel like it. Yeah. it sweet, they cover Sweet Virginia from time to time, and it's nice. Yeah. Um, it's my ex-wife's name. so Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's that's probably better for a ringtone. Yeah, than, yeah, than like yeah. Dirty deeds, right? Yeah, or something like that. 
Um, there's a great version in that Scorsese movie, Shine a Light, which is the Stones in concert around 2006. They're bringing the celebrities out on stage. The Stones were great at having like celebrities come and accompany their songs. Loving Cup with Jack White. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's a good one on there. Um, in that movie, they also did um, from Sticky. Is it Sticky Fingers or Let It Bleed? Has Live with Me uh-huh. with Christina Aguilera. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So um, again, it was that movie that got me back into. Okay. I think I need to deep dive this mid era Stones. Okay. On it. Um, happy. Halfway through the album. This might be my favorite mainstream rock stones song okay it's just what it's saying yeah um yeah there's an old video the first if you look up happy rolling stones it's them in concert and mick is just swinging his ass around stage and sharing the mic with keith and um it's just it's perfection nice one of my favorite pieces of the stones um a little more throwaway with turd on the run ventilator blues I just want to see his face. This is definitely a double album. This is full of B-sides. Um, All Down the Line is great. Right in the genre of Rocks Off and Rip This Joint. Um, it's got some of that two guitar, Mick Taylor, Keith Richards, wailing uh, that I like. Uh, Stop Breaking Down, Shine a Light, Soul Survivor. It's just kind of like landing the plane. Smooth landing. Shine a light. Also, it's an interesting song. What th- killed it? FM radio killed it. No, 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 no. It it, it gets covered by fish. Yeah, often, and it's like, I mean, talk about goosebumps. It's so glorious. It's absolute. What's the best venue you've seen fish play? Man, I've seen them. I've seen them a bunch at Red Rocks. Um, MSG was, I mean, I still need to see a show at Red Rocks. They like seldom pick shitty venues. I mean, they're all, so what ultimately took me way too long to discover, um, you know, cause he's still, it's my 350th show and I've never (laughs) seen mound. It's like, shut the fuck up. Like, or I'm chasing, I'm, you know, I've never, it's like the, 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 the set list, uh, the, if there's any gags, if there's any cup, like what happens in the show in, in essence, and I'm old enough now to say this is very minuscule in comparison to the excitement. Cause I, I mean, I have a, if I've seen 82 shows, I've seen 41 of them with the same dude. Right. Uh, yeah, I've always had people that I'm going to these shows with. And an life event. life takes you places. Yeah. So this fuck the set list. It's the excitement when the tour gets announced and did you get tickets and then traveling to meet up, hooking yeah. up with your friends, partying, uh, I, what you do during the day, what yeah. you do after the show, yeah. the travels home, the reflecting back on the whole thing. The set list is a small, small piece. Right. Um, it's but it's it's talked about a lot because it's they come up with it sort of on the fly and yeah. you never are going to see the same. Well, some thing. people it's the missing baseball card from their tops name, 1985 collection yeah. or something like yeah. that. Uh, I have a group uh, of Pearl Jam fans. I, 
Yep. They are a traveling band too. Yep. Um, Same. How many times have you seen them? Pearl Jam? Yeah. Once, 1992, Day on the Hill in Lawrence. You were one of the people that <laughs> I was there, man. Yeah, I was there. For real. Um, Never seen them since. They're a band you should consider catching up with. They are aging very well. Sure. Um, I just, uh, I mean, 10 was an yeah. anthem for all of us. Uh, versus high school for me, yeah. 10. But then versus, I was like, eh. And then the third, Vitology. Yeah. And I was like, I don't. And I just went a different direction because they I was into something else. A better live band in the second half of their career than they've ever been a studio band fascinating and so people who say i really don't prefer pearl jam i listened to 10 and kind of lost interest i get it i get it totally that doesn't mean i tried hard right it's just the way it went down uh first time i saw them was 2001 at an outdoor venue in phoenix they were still a really young band then but between say 95 when 10 came out was it 91 91 so I had still gone 10 years of Pearl Jam being this big band in the 90s that I'd never seen. Um, second time was 2009 at the Sprint Center. Mm. And there's still a loud band that plays great songs over two and a half hour set. Sure. So that checked a good box for me. The third time I saw... And then they started doing these... Uh, it's not the right word for it, but like... Boutique tours, right? Fewer nights. Sorry. Uh, fewer nights, fewer cities, and that's when people would travel more to go see them. Yeah. And uh, I think that they played Wrigley Field in 2016. They came back and played two nights at Wrigley in 2018. I think you're right. And I caught one of the Wrigley shows. Okay. And... It's exactly what I needed on a, you know, on a hot August night. Like, yeah. there's nothing better than yes. the right fucking live show. Yeah. And, and, and right around that time, there was a, a, like a PJ 20 something. 25 at that point. The, but they they, the video. Did, they did a big show uh, like oh, in Milwaukee yeah. or and a bunch of people went to it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So they were... Now you get what's like Godfather status. Like yeah. Once you kind of make it, you're still the same core band after 25, 30 years. You can tour when you want, where right. you want, um, put out a record or not. As long as, you know, they're happy that they're still making new music. Yeah. And that's great. And they'll play like two or three songs out of a two and a half hour set. And the rest of it is all the stuff you want to hear, like the, the fish set list type thing. Um, then, so that would have been 2018. They announce a tour in 2020. COVID shuts it down. Mm. New album and a tour in 2020. COVID shuts it down. Um, they hold for 2021. 2022, they shuffle the deck. They reannounce all of their tour dates. Mm. The tickets that I had in Oklahoma City were now on my birthday in 2022. Okay. Nothing wrong with going to see a Pearl Jam show on your birthday. No, right? Oklahoma City? Uh, they don't do Kansas City because Kansas City is not a Sprint Center is a AXS. It's not a Ticketmaster. Okay. So I'll drive five hours to go see How Pearl Jam. How ironic. Why? Oh, because okay. they used to fight Ticketmaster. Yeah. 
It is a little but bit. You, okay, but my curiosity was, were you living there, or did you travel to see him? Uh, I got no problem with a five-hour drive to go see Absolutely a live not. show. Of course. Um, six, seven-hour drive. Sure. Whatever. I get on, a pl- get on yeah. planes for him all the time. Oh, my thing with the planes is I'll work a half day. I'll get on like a one or two o'clock flight. That puts me in the city in time for happy hour. So I land. I get my bearing straight. I'm at the venue, a bar across the street for two hours before the show starts. I'm in a hotel room at midnight, and I'm on a six, seven in the morning flight the next day. Ah. I've done that. Done that for Springsteen, U2. Those are massive, massive violations from my code of conduct, (laughs) which is never travel day of show and never leave day after. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm. You need, you need your comfort. (laughs) Exactly. No, I've done it quite a bit actually. Um, Because yeah, because then I'm only missing like 24 hours of work. Yeah, but like I mean, I'm talking if I get uh, 15. Uh-huh. vacation days and then i've got some uh what do you call those floating. yeah floating and whatever blah 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 i'll burn a, i'll burn a week okay you know uh around if i'm gonna go see three nights of shows yeah i'll burn a week and like i'm traveling casual maybe i yeah. play around to golf maybe i go party whatever it is maybe i go to another town and see a person yeah whatever it is but as long as i don't i'm not because tsa stresses me the fuck <laughs> out and well, I don't want to come home from all that and then the alarm right, goes off the right next morning. Work. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, I can do it and I do it well. Good for you, man. The crew that um, met up in Oklahoma City in 22 just met up in St. Paul over Labor Day for Pearl Jam last month, month and a half ago. Cool. So now we've got a, a meetup crew and people were coming from Virginia, Connecticut. Oh, dude. That's Kansas great. City, Omaha, yeah. And are you? Everybody's flying, and there's an Airbnb or yep, that kind yep, of thing. We're all hanging out, and very you know, cool. He's got fifty shows. I've got five. He's got three. He's got ten. Yeah. And it's just like family, you know. It's the Absolutely. same. It's the same with your fish. Absolutely, guy. yeah. Um, I'm not. You know, after Exile on Main Street, the Stones coast for a long time. How long's long? you're talking decades yeah (laughs) okay okay um well there's an album called some girls which has some of the hits on it um what i would call stone's hits which is this is where they do become the world's most overrated bar band because they're just cranking out rock music they're no longer putting in the thought and care of gimme shelter you can't always get what you want um whatever they're they're you know they're not ballads they're just thoughtful creative rock songs versus you know i I said that the stones have been around so long that they're just writing opposites Mm. they got a song called happy they got sad 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 they got mixed emotions they've got um she's so cold and she was hot nice they're just like writing polar opposites well early on uh there was, and I don't remember the exact detail, but it was like, uh, we're talking about you seeing the Stones in the early 90s, but it's been 12 years since they put out blah, blah, blah album. And I asked you about that album, and you said, I kind of got to talk about the arc of the Stones to talk about that album. So I, 
I think that happens so, in uh, coasting. Some girls, there's another one that's in there, and then there's Tattoo You. There you go. Tattoo You is a great album. I think there's maybe 10 or 12 tracks on there, but they're all like three and a half minutes each. Okay. So it's a great earworm. It's funny, the songs start me up. Like, every band has their their closer, right? Um whether it's Dancing in the Dark, Every Breath You Take, Start Me Up. Mm. And I know people that uh, hate is a strong word, hate the Stones, hate Start Me Up. As far as every band has that song, Start Me Up is probably my favorite that song Kay. of all of them. Well, you have, um, uh, you, we would not have the same story because I've, been i mean i was born a chiefs fan sure and in 89 when every carl peterson took over his gm all of his titles brings in marty really says okay i'm going to reinvent the The tailgate scene yeah Yeah. and start me up the kickoff song sure and so it's like it's like oh don't don't play that please you know what i'm saying now it got over overplayed overexposed or well i'm getting it's in your heart i'm getting it fed you know through fm radio and then also every kickoff at every televised so when you hear it is it a good thing or no no it's a bad thing i just you know it grinds yeah it's nails on the chalkboard now had i now were i able discovering it now without either of those i I probably would like it a lot but it's just too much. Uh, I'm picking it up off of vinyl, a uh, copy that I shared with my twin brother, and we burned that album out. So it's really like it's it's sort of dear to me in that regards. Fair. Um, you know, they sold it to Microsoft to launch Windows 95 too. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, wow. Yeah. And so, uh, but there's some other bangers on that. So I'll give some girls and tattoo you a spin. You know, when it's like. It's Friday, and I'm listening to the Stones today. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, I want to get in a good vibe. Yeah, those are two albums that I'll crank out uh, on the Stones. They've continued to produce Rolling Stones music. They continue to tour. I saw them again in 2016 on what was called the Zip Code Tour. Mm. I thought it would be more fun to see them play in Nashville than here in Kansas City. Very cool. Um. Went to the Johnny Cash Museum. I was going to say, was it an awesome trip? Uh, it was another like 24-hour turnaround trip. Okay, okay. Long drive on that one. Yeah. But um, what's the main drag in Nashville? I haven't been. It's just shops, bars, restaurants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meet live good, music yeah, everywhere. It's a good little honky-tonk yeah. strip of bars. Yeah. We had a good time doing that. We did the Johnny Cash Museum, uh, and we saw the Stones play. So. Cool. Where, uh, somewhere in that mix, not, you know, Steel Wheels. Uh, That's when I'm like really aware. Steel Wheels came out when I was in high school. That was after Tattoo You. Yep. That was a big album, big tour. What was there was a big mixed emotions. You're not the only one. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And maybe there was another hit or two on that. Yeah. Um, Where does button your lip come from? Mixed just... emotions. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know they were. They were making Rolling Stones music, yep. and they were still um, 
in competition or there was no competition for bands that could sell out stadiums. Well, I mean, who's left? Could. Of the Madonna folks. Madonna was doing more arena and Michael Jackson was all arena. Of the peers that they started with. Yeah, the who's, Beatles weren't there. The Who wasn't there. The Eagles there. are fighting. They're cutting. Eagles We're dissolved. back together. Yeah. We're not. We are Did you ever again. you see them in concert? No. Nah. I've heard amazing things. I've heard amazing things. It's, but also, they were the very first. It was like, did you hear that the Eagles are charging $189? Back in like the 90s, and it's like, what? Or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, they went expensive earlier than... I think the Eagles are a lot more dynamic than Steve Miller, but... Without question. They've been crushed by FM radio in the way that the Stones were for you. Or That's Steve how Miller. we arrive at the taxi scene in The Big Lebowski. Okay. Do you know this movie? Uh, I've seen it enough times, but not recently. Okay. So you know who's playing Lebowski, Jeff Bridges. Yeah. And he's coming out of a, he's going from one shitty situation to the next, basically. Right. And I mean, he right. gets laid, he gets high, he gets drunk. So there's, but he just keeps coming into, he's and just, he, he's, he's just duding his he's way been through life. Just clubbed on the head. I forget exactly, but he gets in a taxi. And uh, I think it's, take it easy or peaceful easy yeah. and he's in the back and he's like man can you can you turn this and the guys and the guy's like the fuck and he's like man i just i'm having a really bad day and i hate the fucking eagles man and the taxi driver jams on the brakes and pulls over right. and gets out and get the fuck out of my cab right <laughs> it's a great scene no it's it and i think we all have our things like you know yeah that sacred cows acceptable and unacceptable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so anything else stones wise before your honorable mentions? No, I don't think so. Okay. Um, yeah. Fair enough. That was uh, that was a treat, really. Thank you. Uh, again, never have I sat down. Like I think I I tried the stones and I tried the Grateful Dead in high school, and sure. it was like. The, the Grateful Dead skeletons from the closet, their greatest hits, yeah. dog shit. Yeah. It's not a not rep. It's not. Uh, here's no, a, it's for short hair guys like me. Yeah, uh, and just I I was like I don't want play it at a high school party. I don't want to hear Casey Jones. I don't want to hear yeah. trucking. Get yeah. that shit out of here. Anyway, uh, so to sit to have you know this is it's forced new music to sure. you give me that list. I'm like yes. And I'm also like, shit, I got to go. I would tell you there's probably, we'll say, 20 songs off the four albums that would make you a very good Stones playlist. I love it. I might have to I might have to curate Grab one of those. Grab some of their early stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, or, or allow me to create it for you. Dude. I'll do it. I would, I would be honored. It. I'll do it. it and, can, can you keep it to 20, though? Uh, ish. It depends. It needs to go north of ninety minutes so that you're really getting some like earworm stuff in there. Four minutes a song, twenty songs. That's eighty minutes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna put in some other, um, some Keith Richards stuff too. Okay. Songs Fair enough. Made by and made for Keith. Um, I will be. Uh, extremely geeked out at. Two things. Yeah. Well, I mean, three if we count you actually doing it and sending. Oh, now, I now, uh, I don't, I don't think I'll be able to listen to it in your. It doesn't matter. Send it however you send it, and I'll, I'll make it work. But I will be, I will geek out about song selection, and song sequence. 
Because I'm assuming yeah, you're yeah. a person that is song sequence is important. Uh, it'll mostly be in chronological sequence. That's fair. I feel. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. Right on. So honorable mentions. Who are? Well, I want. Uh, my question before you and I list our honorable mentions. Which podcast? What are we on? Ninety-one. Yes. One through ninety. Uh, awed you in a way of I've never considered that music in that capacity before. Man, like really, I know it's how this sounds, but in in some sense, the majority of the episodes. Uh, I had a uh, a dude who's a long time uh, jazz guitarist. He gave me a list of fifteen jazz staples, mm-hmm. which um, is important. You know, it's like I know some miles, I know yeah. some this and that, but jazz has always been uh, background. You know, I've never I've never been a student. It's never. Uh, it's now there's 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 a very long stretch of records that the blue note label put out that shit is like i mean you talk about eating ecstasy in the desert that's i'm give me more give me because it's all groovy and it's yeah. all funky and it's all very fascinating and uh i've talked about this on here before too uh, pretty much every album cover regardless of artist is like just a basic image or it's like a, a a shot of a live performance, right? And you just get the musicians' names, and maybe the guy who's maybe it's a Grant Green record, mm-hmm. so he gets a a nine point font instead of a seven, right? And that's it. That's the that's the album art. Yeah. it's just a picture, and then the names, and I'm like, God, that's fucking beautiful. And and so I've I've you know anyway, uh, that was bananas. I, I had I've had folks give me. Um, you know, uh, some rappers that I have just sort of whatever, you know, I listened to some uh, gangster rap in, you know, the late 80s and then some rap and hip hop in the early 90s. And then sort of around that same time, mm. uh, everything just started to dissipate from my ears. And yeah. it's like all the shit that people are putting out now is fucking dog shit. And, and uh, you know, from rap, I can name... 10 rap bands that I like and that I listen to, but for the most part, rap is mood music. Okay. Yeah. It's funny. It's party. Yeah. It's not rock and roll. Yeah. Um, I'll go into some of that when we pick albums. Like yeah. Keep, uh, it, keep it the question on uh, one through 90. What kind of like wow do you? Uh, okay. I can say the Cheeto flow, his episode, uh, was, um, snap five records, a snapshot of, you know, some pockets of music that I never would have, maybe I discover those five artists Mm. or maybe I knew one of them ahead of time. Uh, maybe I discover those eventually across, but as a, as a delivery, Mm-hmm. Um, there, there was just some really, really amazing stuff in there. Um, and so he was episode 59, <clears throat> but I mean, I mean it when I say that everybody's, um, almost every single episode has had something amazing and wonderful about it. Um, 
Did anyone bring in like skeletons from the closet, or did you filter that out? Like, no, uh, we'll skip that one. Um, like, I'll have my my guy call you. I don't believe a Grateful Dead record has yet to make anyone's list. But so nobody brought in like, um, a, you know, a mainstream like Steve Miller Band's greatest hits. Uh, one person did uh, that I can think of off the top of my head, and it uh, when I saw it, I was like, Tch. and then when I got it got it out, I was like. Oh yeah, this is like the exception. What was it? Steve Miller's? No, person? no, God. What, what was it? <laughs> Timepieces. Eric Clapton. Yes. Yeah. Great, great record. I know it's not a record; it's a sure. collection. But still, it's the collection of songs that is that album is. There are some. I'd have to look up others that are legit. Um, what is a separate question before we get into our honorable mentions? What is a band you didn't discover until later in life? God, most of them. I mean, yeah. uh, the rabbit hole-like thing, you know, uh, I'm trying to force myself in, in small doses right now down the Wu-Tang rabbit hole because I got 36 Chambers on cassette when it came out. I was like, oh, this isn't for right. me. Um, Wilco, I've, you know, I, there was a bunch of bands that I tried to listen to or did listen to in like 04, mm -hmm. kind of trying to fill that void that got created. Yep. And it's like, I don't get it. You know, I did the same thing with Kanye, my morning jacket. Uh, and some of those I've revisited and been like, Oh yeah, this is, I'm a different person now. That's, that's part True. of it. Um, but a lot, man, a lot of, um, uh, bands I didn't discover until when I was growing up, the things that were, fed to me made sense yep enough so that i didn't skew away like my brother has great taste in music whatever he's listening to and there's also some element of like street cred like well i'm not going to tell anyone i like wham like that's, <laughs> that's gay um i didn't get into the clash until later in life great example i walked around going anybody that listens to the three c's losers clash and what else cult oh. cure they've all been they've uh, all come up and they're they all have great freaking records i mean yeah the cure was like my twin brother when i said he was in yes the yeah alternative yeah. and uh i didn't get into rem until later in life because everything that was being fed to me was like losing my religion i'm like no i'm not a sad emo girl like see that, there's some that great, stuff there's that, some great rock like they are a great rock band too that era the stuff in that era rem i think is is their fine everything else to me is sleepy there's some later stuff um Living Well is the Best Revenge. The album's called Accelerator. Okay. It's a great rock album. Okay. Came out in the 2000s. Um, and then off that, if you're on Spotify, there's a great live album accessible. So Clash, R.E.M., Sam Cooke I didn't get into until later in life. And I never have. Never, I've never tried. Um, while You're Cooking put on his One Night in Harlem album. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um. And Chuck Berry, I didn't get into until later okay. in life, because again, I and I, I don't know if it was very specifically a black white thing. I mean, my mom had Buddy Holly. Why would she not have any Chuck Berry albums? But Chuck Berry is the the, the seed of all things I, rock and roll, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So my honorable mention. Yes. So I would probably go with bands that have influenced me sub album I've listened to the most off that band. Uh, the Beatles Abbey Road. Okay. It's almost too um this is not a word, but too historical for me to talk about. You know, it that album tells a story that I can't even explain per se. Um there's just a lot of dynamics into that album. That album's become my go-to Saturday morning album. What are you an early riser? I'm an early riser. Even when you're not working. And my body can't help waking up at about six o'clock in the morning okay. before the house gets up. I've got a prayer meditation journaling routine, and then I play Abbey Road and do some reading. Have you left your bedroom yet when you're doing these things? Uh, prayer in the bedroom, meditation and journaling in the living room. Okay. Bef- are you a coffee drinker? Oh, yeah. Before you're doing these things before coffee? Uh, prayer comes before coffee. Okay. Then coffee. Before the house is up, who else is there? Um, well, I just started dating a girl and she's not sleeping over all the time yet. Okay. And my daughter is every other weekend. Okay. No animals? No animals. Okay. Okay. Um, I love dogs. I love other people's dogs. The problem is I like to take trips. And so then you have the additional time and expense of kenneling your dog or inconveniencing a friend to come stay at your place. Yeah. I mean, sometimes people enjoy it. It's a nice little, if it's a weekend, Yeah, go hang out, maybe have a friend over for a drink and yeah. hanging out with the, that person's dog. And How old's your daughter? I got one is 18. Okay. She's a freshman at K-State. Nice. And she's a used record store girl of nice. her own direction. Very cool. Um, and then I have a nine-year-old who's a fourth grader at Leewood Elementary. Okay. Um, slowly becoming a record store girl. Okay, so every other weekend? Yeah. And things between you and her mom or uh, it depends on what stories being told and Well, I mean if, if 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 we're uh talking logistics and co-parenting, which are the two things that are in then a healthy every, then everything's fine. That that's I yeah. mean I I I I drive that train, yeah, yeah. you know. How many kids do you have? Two. How old? Uh, about to be 13 and just turned 10. Boy, girl? Girl, then boy. Is a 13-year-old girl into good music yet? I mean, she. I, I like things that she likes, but she's not into necessarily okay. what I'm into. Okay. Um, so a lot of Taylor Swift and Katy Perry, not, not anymore, but I mean, Olivia Rodrigo, she was yeah. a fascinating story. I like that stuff, you know, and I also seek yeah. common ground with her. I mean, she, she's sprinting away from me and I'm, you yeah. know, about to tear her jacket. And so divorce dad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, you get him every other weekend. So mom is at the end of the block. Okay. Literally. Yeah. Uh, and we have four transitions a week. Okay. So they, so they, they sleep here Sunday, Monday and Thursday, Friday. Okay. So they're gone. So when I offer Tuesdays and Saturdays primarily, it's yeah. because Yeah, yeah. Uh anyway, um so but I it's it's uh I'm glad that you saw the direction that I was going in that because if things if we're being good and responsible dads, yeah. you you got to 
you got to hammer out, you got to set aside the logistics and the co-parenting and keep them as drama free as possible. And then whatever else, the other shit is whatever, as as long as the focus is on them. Right. I will do whatever I need to do to be a great dad. And the great thing that comes out of a unhappy marriage is that you can be the dad that you want to be for some people for worse, but for what seems like guys like you and I for better. Yeah. I I mean, I'm not going to lie. I like, it pains me to hear every other weekend. Like that's not enough. Like, you know, uh, used to it. Yeah. When the older kid was two, I split up with her mom. Um, and that it just within, so the kid was two by three, four, five kindergarten school, school calendar. We were at every other weekend, like Tuesday nights and every other weekend. Um, this is the kid who began exploration in the used record store and the Westport thrift clothing store. Yeah. Right on. Um, she has twice said, dad, there's a band playing at the Truman. (laughs) Mom doesn't want to go. And before I even know who I'm just like, yeah, and who have they been? So you've seen uh, two shows with her? Uh, I've seen a, the two at the Truman were AJR. Okay. Um, and Making Movies. Okay. Making Movies covered a whole Radiohead album. Okay. That was pretty badass. Um, and then I took her to go see a friend play at Lemonade Park this past summer. Who? David Luther. Okay. And... Um, God, you want to talk about the price of tickets? I took her to see Springsteen at T-Mobile this past february did she enjoy i picked her up i said are you more looking forward to seeing bruce springsteen or seeing your dad see bruce springsteen and she goes seeing my dad see bruce springsteen um you and i as music aficionados would probably agree that call it sprint center call it t-mobile it was built more for basketball tournaments than it was for rock well and hockey was supposed to be part of that mix keep wishing yeah. No, I mean that's no, I know, but it was but not. It was Mar- not Mario built. teased us. Yeah, he with the penguins. Yeah, and we were like, okay, and then he's like, yeah, they they did it for me. It's yeah. like, oh, he was using his leverage. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a whole nother conversation of right. what would float better here, pro basketball or pro. I, and and you know, honestly, I think the answer is neither. Uh, if you had to pick, I think hoops probably wins. People are more educated in hoops, but yep. the KU fan is not going to sacrifice his time and money for KU to go see the Timberwolves or whoever, the, the Thunder. The OKC Thunder yeah. or something. I yeah. will say uh, you're OKC. We're, we are a less educated hockey town. For sure. So well, I think could, we're a less educated hockey country. Could, hockey region, hockey country. I mean, could we sell twelve to 15,000 hockey tickets, what, 40 times a year? How many regular season 82. games? 82. So 41. So 41, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure this town could sustain that. No, and I don't even know if, if you sell 15, what's capacity there with ice down? 18 plus? If you sell 15, is right. the is the franchise still hurting because they're not moving enough of the 3,000 that are left over? Sure. Probably. Sure. Pro- I mean, you to, you know, making the playoffs – and playoff tickets and concessions and merch in the postseason, yeah. that's where owners begin to make money on the season, typically. Okay. Typically. Now, I'm not trying to speak for original six teams, like right. the Rangers and the Bruins and People so forth. People don't know what that means. Well. Original six teams. Uh, I play on Wednesday nights uh, and, and, and in Independence, and actually 
uh, we're called the White Russians and Lebowski's uh, on our jersey with a holding. Oh, sweet. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I always thought that we should um, we should have two home games a year from the OKC Thunder because mm. then we would start to buy merch and follow the team and TV revenue would go up and merch would go up and blah, blah, blah. Work out some kind of win-win deal with the franchise yep. to expand their fan base into well, the city. Well, we, uh, for our half of spring break this year, we yep. went to Oklahoma uh-huh. and uh, went down to Tulsa and then uh, over to Muskogee and then for a couple days and then OKC and we're there for a couple days, a couple nights, three days, and the final night we went to a, a Thunder. Uh, was it the Knicks or the Nets? It won anyway. Yeah, it was fucking awesome. Like yeah. my daughter was like, I like the outfits the cheerleaders are wearing. Sure, and my but I was like, this is a great product, and they it yeah. was it was very they were down huge early and then made a big push late and and won and it was yeah. it was very i was very i was like i'll 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 go down once a year for that i'll do five hours and stay the you night you gotta be attuned to what you gotta be attuned to how to watch basketball on the court right it's a different uh, uh, yeah, yeah absolutely they're all yeah. different yeah i mean baseball's probably the easiest transition yeah live to tv and vice versa but football football's a very easy tv game my problem with football is um there's 60 minutes of game clock. The plays last an average of about five seconds, yep. five to seven seconds. So out of 60 minutes of play time, you're really getting about 15 minutes of action Yeah. with three hours of two jackasses on TV talking about themselves, talking about Taylor Swift and Kelsey. It's a pain in the ass to watch an NFL game. Uh, let's go back to honorable mentions. Um so bands that have influenced me, I'm a kid from New Jersey. Springsteen's been dominant my whole life. A wonderful, his best album and his best storytelling album is Born to Run. Has anyone done that one? No Springsteen albums. I've <laughs> made the list. Uh, so that's definitely an and, honorable mention. And for the record, yeah. Uh, I've had many occasions where I'm like, I'm enough people in my life have told you to listen, spoken to whatever this thing is. And so now I'm going to do it. And one of those things was, this is the summer that I become a Bruce Springsteen fan. And I sat down and started at the beginning of the discography and I was like, nope, this, I'm not, I mean, I'm Nebraska and, uh, you know, uh, uh, born to run for sure. Born in the USA. Uh, I was in middle school when, uh, brilliant disguise came out. Great record. I loved, well, I love several tracks on that record, but I just don't get it. It just has never, I get that other people don't get it. I think he was getting like the library of Congress award and John Stewart was the guy at the podium giving him the award. Okay. And John Stewart, also from New Jersey. Okay. He said, when I listened to Bruce Springsteen, I was no longer this loser kid from New Jersey. I, I feel like I've... I was listening to music about a loser kid from New <laughs> Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> but I didn't... I'm not trying to yuck your yum. Uh, you no, know. it's just like... 
it's how I grew it. He was the soundtrack. Of course. From like age eight to 18 of me sitting in my room in suburban New Jersey. Yeah, that's our guy. With the lyric sheets. Yeah. Yes. And so it is something that people from New Jersey get and can't explain to other people. And, and really, nor should they have to. But I get that people want to or maybe are sometimes forced to anyway. Well, you know what's funny is John Mellencamp is a pretty good musician. Mm-hmm. I have never in my life heard anyone go, you know who I fucking like? Mellencamp, man. That guy just does it for me. Right there in that quiet riot window of the early eight, he was banging out some fucking hits. Yeah. And and I was like, just quit changing your name, dude. I can't keep up with what we're supposed to call you now. Um, um, I would tell you uh, albums that have influenced me. Uh, you could go Beastie Boys, Paul's Boutique, okay. Ill Communication, Check Your Head. Any one of those three I could talk in some detail about. Um, You're leaving out Hello Nasty? Uh, that was later. It's it. That's my run okay, of okay. albums. All right, fair right? enough. Fair um, enough. Uh, I like Radiohead quite a bit. Okay. Anyone done Radiohead? Oh yeah. I yeah. mean, uh, no. I I mean, it's probably about three albums that boil to the top. And Rainbows has appeared. Okay, okay computer. computer has appeared maybe more than once. Nobody has done the Benz, and nobody has done Pablo Honey. Just maybe those Benz two. Is great. Yeah. First time I saw Radiohead was New York City, August of 01. Okay. They played in Liberty State Park, which if you've been to New York, it's just this one long island in the middle of two rivers. Wow. The Hudson River and the East River. Interesting. On the other side of the East River is New Jersey. You see the Hoboken skyline. There's a state park. Radiohead set up their stage with the New York City skyline lit up at night behind them. And then the Statue of Liberty over there. Cool. And I said this was August of 2001. Oh, yeah. We took a ferry back across the river. My brother's living in the East Village at the time. We're looking for a subway, which ran through the basement of the World Trade Center. Oh, wow. Where my dad worked from 1980 to 1988. So I was a kid growing up, days off of school. I'd go into the office with my dad through that subway station, up the escalators, up the elevators to his office on the 100th floor. Nobody knew in August 01 what was going to happen in September of 01. Of course not. 9-11, the buildings came down. That Radiohead show cemented me as a lifelong Radiohead fan, but the cherry on the Sunday was that I got to have an intimate goodbye in the basement of the Twin Towers. Wow. Where my dad used to take me in on the train and... You know, I didn't realize it at the time. That was a gift. Yeah, that's cool, man. To be able to be there with my brother on that. That's really cool. Um, So Beastie Boys, Radiohead, Beatles. We could talk Led Zepp, Houses of the Holy. That's kind of in the, that'll round out the top ten. Okay. How often do you uh, throw um, Coda or Presence on? Never. Okay, that's the correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yeah. Uh, I just okay, ne- I, now, like, I forget. I was I was thinking about putting Coda on, and then I thought about other shit because I was going through like Zep One, Zep Two, and then I'll usually jump to Houses of the Holy, Physical Graffiti, and uh, with uh, In Through the Outdoor. Yeah. In Through the Outdoor is great. Um. Mm. Uh, I will also put 
Paul Simon Graceland. Okay, that was just on the last episode, Se- oh, really? second appearance. Yeah, yeah. Um, what perfect album? It's so great. Yeah, it's so and uh, really um, r- bizarre uh, thinking. Uh, Landmark album for world music uh, from a rock musician. At a time when rock music, like we we came out of the seventies into the eighties, and it's like synthesizers and cocaine and new wave, and then yeah. Paul Simon's like, "How about this?" And we're like, "Whoa!" I right. don't I don't think we any of us knew that we needed that, but we needed that, and it still holds up. It's today. It's still fantastic. Yeah. What am uh, I missing? What haven't I thought of? Two guys that like shooting the shit about music. We've covered Zeppelin. Beatles, yeah, I want to know. Uh, so, forget about uh, House of the Holy, Physical Graffiti, and In Through the Outdoor. Rank one through four for me, for you. One and two are more like one and one A. There. Um, I'm not a fan of four at all. Not really. Was, okay. All right. Um. So you're going three, one, two, four? Uh, I'm going one, two, three, four. Oh, in that interesting. Order. Okay. Uh, three. Three is just interesting. It's fa- It's uh, like I still to this day can't get over the cover art. Oh, sure. Because it's an incredible record in my opinion. I love it. And it's like, what the fuck is that? What is this? Sh- confetti? Like, yeah. I mean. One and two are as just landmark as like back in black. Okay. Um, I think that there's some richer, deeper music than back in black. Mm-hmm. Back in black did its thing. It made ACDC a band for life. There's know? something not the same, but there's something to, uh, Malcolm being the Brad Whitford and the, uh, fellow that joined the stones uh ronnie wood yes yeah. and, and so angus gets to do whatever because he has malcolm sort of yeah. holding the fort down yeah right it's some similarity you're right. there you're right um i compare i i threw back and black into the mix because when i think of zep one and zep two and black and black it's just straight up drums guitar four four beat let's kick some ass Okay. There's some other stuff in Zeppelin, and then they evolve into Zeppelin three in a way that ACDC was never capable. Of no, evolving. nor nor would we expect them to be. <laughs> they came out with either an album or a song during COVID, like just needing an excuse to tour, right? Uh-huh. So it wasn't the same reunion tour that they did the year before. And a buddy of mine who's got great taste in music, and you know, we, there was nothing to talk about in covid so it's like hey did you hear the new acdc song and i'm like yeah i gave it i gave it a one time and he goes yep it's just acdc just talking about shit that 15 year old boys like yeah i mean the shoe <laughs> yeah. fits yeah that was it that was their thing well um i usually close with a series of goofy questions sure that are supposed to have meaning in there somehow some I bet way one of them is more meaningful than goofy <laughs> go ahead uh Number one, you're gifted with the ability to visit your past self at any age. Uh-huh. What age are you choosing and what are you saying? 15 years old. Um, this is not an easy answer. That's fair. 
I got sober three years ago. Okay. And so I want to talk to him about alcoholism and sobriety and the difference between those two paths. Um, alcoholism is like living in a cave and recovery is like living on a mountain, like seeing the whole world around you. And uh, all of the shit that you carry inside that um, fuels and is fueled by drugs and alcohol use, you can figure out how to live without those things. Thank you yeah. for sharing that. You could have just said, go fuck yourself. None of your business. <laughs> or, or I'm not speaking to myself. I'm just observing. But thank you for sharing that. I appreciate yeah, the candidness. Uh, lunch with anyone dead or alive of your choosing, who and why? William Shakespeare. Whoa. Talk um, about ready to answer. <laughs> <laughs> Four albums, Rolling Stone, yeah, 68 yeah. to 72. Beggar's Banquet and William Shakespeare. No. Well, that question comes up a lot. Um, I think that there's some people that are on an echelon higher than others. Um, if you believe he walked the earth, Jesus Christ would be one of them. Okay. Um, I mean... I don't even want to talk with Shakespeare at the table. I just want to hear him speak about, you yeah. know, in his old English way. Well, I mean, your your gift for landing, you know, the right words yeah. in in place. You're you're probably Do you ever do Shakespeare at the park? No. Up the street? I haven't. Um what's impressive is that these plays written 500 years ago, the jokes still land. Funny. Wow, yeah. I would never have guessed that. But I am always on my cliff notes trying to figure out what the fuck it is. Like, I know uh, Macbeth and Hamlet and Romeo and Juliet. I don't need my hand held through that. But some of the other stuff, I'm like, what the fuck's going out, on? Out, out, brief candle. Oh, fuck. Uh, how about you? Lunch. Who do you want to eat lunch with? I mean... You've, you've asked this question 91 times. No, this is relatively new, and I try to mix up the questions. I'm not okay. always successful at it. Man, uh, I'm not going to – you talk about hand-holding. I'm not going to hold your hand and say this is the album path that you should pursue Sure. regarding Frank Zappa. But I will encourage you to, at, at some point, uh, go down the YouTube rabbit hole of interviews. Sure. It is, I mean, immense. And he is so insanely... I mean, you know about uh, Congress yeah. with Dee Snyder and John. He just, All these politicians were like, get this fucking guy out. He destroys that whole PMRC, yeah. to blah, blah, blah. Um, so that he was would all be, about putting warning labels on music, explicit content, yeah, parental, yeah. Uh, and and so just an lunch would not even scratch the surface sure. about the mind, but then you know uh, there's been some things uh, that have kind of always you know very delicately pointed in the direction of kind of a dick. Um, yeah, I know that they, the, the, a lot of geniuses are, and the family trust are. has been very, very tight with right. what happens and who can do what with and what's available and so on and so forth. Um, he was, you know, uh, carrying a large outfit, uh, you know, six, seven, eight, nine do people Musician. uh and, and you know on tour record ever and it's like if you're you know he's not he, he 
Winston's were his his thing. Like he, there's a line where he says, "Once or twice, I socially experimented with marijuana, and that was it, drugs wise." Really? So if you're a guy that maybe is, uh, you come in one day and you're a nine point nine instead of ten in terms of sharpness and lucid. Like I, I think he would give you the business. Right. Like you're no, you can't party. You know, right. you got it. This is we're here to do this thing, not you do that somewhere else. Yeah, Spr- and Springsteen had that policy too. Okay, interesting. And Clarence always like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, so you know, uh, there's a number of authors. Uh, Gary Snyder, uh, big beat Nick guy, Trey Anastasio from Fish. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've got a yeah I mean, short that's, list. That's but. We could go on and on and on. Yeah, and some Hunter S. Thompson. Some celebrities, you only know what you what you see. Yeah, yeah. And you know who knows if Patrick Mahomes is smarter. I've, he was the or, next name coming out of my mouth. Or you know, still eating yeah. cocoa puffs. For yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, complete this for me, please. Sure. The world would immediately become a better place in which to live if only. I might say a socialized economy. Okay. Uh, more equal, like less capitalism and more equal equal sharing. We don't have to be a production based economy. Um, some people think very territorially. Um, well, my parents were Northeast liberal Democrats, okay. so that's kind of my <laughs> perspective on things. That's your Jump Street, yeah. Yeah. Um, all of this money that you one could say is hoarded by the the upper one percenters, right? Um, put some of that into public school infrastructure as well as curriculum. Um, you know, spin the wheel and pick any healthcare crisis. Fuck, you could talk just about recovery alone, saving oh my God. on healthcare yeah. billions of, of dollars. Um, so. Uh, a more socialized economy. Okay, fair. Um, are you you're old, old enough uh, to remember uh, Fear Factor, the show with Joe yeah. Rogan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you like lay on a cot and they dump eighty yeah. thousand uh, cockroaches on you or whatever. What's gonna scare the bejesus out of me? What is your like uh, snakes? Okay, so if somebody came and said you got, I sit in a coffin full of snakes. No. <laughs> No. Fair enough. Uh, me either. Uh, also, I'm not sitting in a coffin with one snake. Also, I'm not sitting in a coffin. I mean, it's like... I don't mind the coffin experience. I've never, like, had the coffin experience. Right. Um, but I go to uh, Kill Bill, yeah. where they bury her alive. I don't... I would have had a heart... I mean, I would have... Yeah. Anxiety would have consumed me in four seconds. There's an old joke of, like, pick a dead celebrity... Charlie Watts. Do you know what he'd be doing right now if he was alive? Banging on the coffin going, let me out. Let me out. God damn it. Uh, well, and then um, the final um, question we've, we've, we've actually already covered, so I'm going to omit it and replace it with a, a, a trusty standby, and that's this. True or false? It is okay and acceptable to wear the t-shirt of the band to their show false 
That is correct. (laughs) (laughs) Any concert goer knows that one. Right, right. Um, So we talked a little bit about you. We talked a little bit about your Four Stones records. We talked to honorable mentions. Is there anything you want to plug before we get out of here? I do local photography, urban abstract stuff. It is at Hipsters Delight on Instagram. Would love your feedback. I love that handle. How about that? Uh, Will Malthrop. A little bit off of Sugar Hill Gang rappers. (laughs) It only took me three years on Insta to come up with that one. Thank you very much for being here. I appreciate it. It was a wonderful Uh, discussion. Talk to you soon. All right. Take care.